The views and opinions expressed on Red Planet are those of the individual and do not necessarily reflect those of Red Planet nor any affiliated or related entities. This podcast is provided for educational purposes only. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Red Planet. This week, we examine the origins of the Israeli state, its colonialism, and propaganda tools the Zionist movement uses to justify its genocide against Palestinians. Also, the hole in the ozone layer is back and bigger than ever, and talks resume between actors and the entertainment industry. But first, Mule finds himself identifying with a cop? So, you know, my girlfriend's a bit younger than me and she's not seen some of the, like, classic horror movies. So I'm uh, taking her through some of the classics and one of the classics that I wanted her to watch this week was The Exorcist 3. And not many people know about The Exorcist 3, but it is high tier, one of the best horror movies of all time. Wow. Because The um, Exorcist, Friedkin's Exorcist, is probably one of the greats, right? So It yeah, is, yeah. I don't, well, I, don't think, I don't think I've seen three. Well, unfortunately, The Exorcist one, when you show it to someone who's like, you know, used to things like The Nun, right? Or Insidious, like jump scares galore. They can't appreciate the, the tension. They can't appreciate the existential dread and stuff like that. So that's fair enough. Um, but then Exorcist 3, and the reason that you jump Exorcist 2 is because Exorcist 2 is an embarrassing mess and it's awful. Uh, but the reason that you jump to uh, Exorcist 3 is because Exorcist 3 is just like, it's got one of the best jump scares in it of all time, right? But one of the things that I love about movies is characters and relating to characters and how they go. Now, unfortunately, the main character in Exorcist 3 is the cop from the first one, the one who makes friends with um, uh, Father Karras, Damien Karras. Uh, so it is a bit of a propaganda, but uh, the character and the way that he's presented and all that stuff, he is sick. He's sick and tired of how evil people can be to each other. Uh, yeah. And I have never related more to a character this week. <laughs> <laughs> My man is on the knife edge of losing his mind. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's me. It's me for real. He's just like me for real. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. interesting. I um, I yeah, I need to check that out because I actually I love the um, I love the original Exorcist movie, and I feel like there's there's a lot of stuff to explore within the idea of um, exorcisms and things like that. That is like so far away from all of that kind of like shitty, the nun insidious, whatever. Yeah. Well, so, um, for me so, personally, yeah. it's like, I'm terrified of the concept that religion is right. Right. I'm terrified. <laughs> I'm terrified of the concept that hell is real. It's like, okay, I believe in ghosts, but where does that end? Like, you know, does it, am I going to go to hell for being gay? I hope not, you know? Anyway, um, so there you go. That's what scares me about it. <laughs> Fascinating. Um, cool. I'll definitely have to check that out. So um, welcome to the show, everyone. We're glad you could be here. A lot of stuff has been happening this week. I think we decided last week that this week was going to be the, the Palestine episode. So, um, yeah, you know, we're, uh, we're gonna get into that. We're kind of gonna go over the history of the area, what's led up to it, some of the groups involved. We're gonna talk about the situation as it is developing now. Um, 
all of that, all that stuff um, to the, you know, to the best of our ability. Um, but yeah, why don't we start with um, the most based stuff that we did this week? Um, Mule, you've got uh, something in here. What was the most based thing that you did this week? Yeah, so um, there was, obviously, I think everybody knows, uh, well, most people who are watching know about the situation in Gaza, Palestine, and like the, the response from uh, UK establishment politicians. And my MP in particular um, has made little to no statement, uh, but she is in an organization called Labour Friends of Israel. Mm. And of course... It's exactly what you think it is. Um, so I and um, a bunch of other members of a, an organization called Youth Front for Palestine. Um, obviously, I'm not so youthful myself, but I thought, you know, it's all good to go there and support the, the youth. Um, so went down there and uh, took along a loudspeaker uh, that we use for protests and stuff with uh, GMTU. Um, and uh, there was someone there, one of, the, one of the young people read out a statement on Gaza and and trying to hold this MP, uh, Lucy Powell is her name. I don't mind naming and shaming her. Uh, I don't think that's doxing myself particularly. She she governs quite a large section of Manchester. Um, but um, yeah, we went down to her ward, like basically where she holds uh, what are called, I think, uh, counseling sessions or, or, or ward sessions or something like that, where she, you know, wants to meet with uh, the local people to, to, you know, tell her about local issues and, and what have you. Uh, but of course she didn't want to speak to us. So we went down there, a bunch of us, about 20, 30 of us, uh, marched along the road in Hume uh, and then up to her ward. Uh, and then, yeah, someone read out a prepared statement. And uh, one of the main things we wanted to do was read out uh, stories of Gazan people, like people in Gaza, people in the West Bank. Uh, and so I read a piece, uh, a, a report from a journalist called Tariq S. Hajaj from Gaza. Uh, his family lives in Gaza. He's lived in Gaza his whole life. Uh, he's been a reporter for, I think, various different people. But uh, he, he was doing this particular report for Mondo Vice, which is a um, it's a U.S. based one that basically like, uh, you know, communicates things on the ground from Gaza to uh, the U.S. And, and the wider world and stuff. Um, so that that particular report is uh, it's it's not a fun read. Um, you know, it's titled, this may be my last report from Gaza. Uh, I read it on stream last week, uh, not just as a kind of like preparation, because I think it is important to like continue to read this, continue to read this report for a long time. I won't do it here on the show because it is quite long. It's about five minutes or so. Um, but if you do want to have a look at it, check it out. You can just Google it. Um, and, uh, I also have uploaded, uh, me reading it onto my Instagram. So if you check out my Instagram, it's DJMU3L. That'll be on there later. Um, but yeah, no, it's it, it's heartbreaking. And um, the day after that, yesterday, uh, me and my partner, we went down to uh, BBC, uh, where there was a big protest being held by, uh, uh, I think it was various different organizations, but mainly uh, Palestinian Solidarity uh, Committee in the UK, so P PSC. Um, oh no, sorry, Pal Palestinian Palestine Solidarity Campaign. It's one of the big organizers in the, in the UK. Uh, we went down to the BBC because the BBC have, of course, been complicit in spreading lies. Uh, you know, just repeating the line from the Hasbara, uh, you know, and, and, and just, you know, all the things like the, the 40 beheaded babies, the, you know, the, the obviously like parading women around the street and raping them and all this kind of stuff, you know, just, just stuff that is unsubstantiated nonsense that is 
manufacturing consent for a genocide. Uh, and, and the turnout was incredible. We marched all the way around a, um, a bridge that goes over a canal and then round to another bridge that comes back to the BBC headquarters. And when we got to that point, back to the BBC headquarters, we could see the other bridge and there were still people there, uh, you know, still marching from that bridge. There must have been 5,000, 6,000, I don't know. I'm not great with numbers, but there must have been 5,000 or 6,000 people there. So it was really good. Uh, you know, everybody obviously like extremely upset, but like great to see so many people out there. Um, so the, yeah, that's, that's the most based thing I did this week. I think, um, Tim, what about you, my friend? So I've been doing all I can this week to, and I feel like, um, I feel like we all have been doing all we can to do our part in the struggle after, uh, the PFLP released a statement just a couple of days ago, I think on the 20th calling, calling for help. Uh, you know, obviously calling for help for the, you know, the struggle that we're going to be covering in general, uh, through this episode, but particularly they called for all, um, all people around the world that know of them and their struggle to defend the Palestinian narrative against the false Zionist narrative affirming that what the resistance does is in self-defense and is a natural response to the continued occupation and aggression. So they basically said, if you can't, if you can't do anything else right now, you can post, you know? So, um, and, uh, and, and I did what I do best. Uh, um, I feel like this week has been a, a real eye opener at the effect of social media, on um the modern landscape of of war and propaganda and all that kind of stuff basically the pflp have been saying if if you're you know like if you can push back on these narratives debunk them you know like spread the information spread um you know the stories of the palestinian people and um and i've seen a lot of uh like i've got some um friends some palestinian friends who has said that they also really want to see people spreading stories and information about Palestine and, you know, all the occupied territories and what is now called Israel as much as you can. Aside, aside from just the war stuff, like let people know about the culture and the history in the area, because, you know, it's like they're literally, you know, staring down the, the barrel of genocide and stuff. And they're like, we want people to know, not just like that we are people and we have this rich culture and, you know, like all this kind of stuff like that, but that there is, you know, like some kind of like record of what, you know, you know, like what happened here or whatever. And, you know, and this just, this includes not just kind of, you know, Palestinian Arab stuff, but there's like so many different cultures that have come to that area that have kind of been, I guess, like, subsumed by Israel and you know their kind of like cultural and religious dominance so um yeah yeah so I've just spent the week when I can you know like catching up with what's actually happening um because there's a lot of stories that just aren't getting played in you know it sounds corny to say but in the mainstream media but obviously as you know people that are communists and anarchists and stuff we know that we don't always get the full story from them anyway but um 
this week, it, I think, feel like it's been particularly bad. So, um, yeah, I've spent a little week trying to, like, educate a lot of people that I know as well. Um, like, even, you know, like, going into work and having everyone being like, you got to tell me what's happening over there because I don't know and I know that you'll understand it and stuff. So, you know, just trying to, like, um, you know, like, let everyone know what's going on because I have heard a lot of these these like you know already thoroughly debunked lies from the idf being spread in real life and people being like this is what's happening you know like and it's yeah i think that if you are kind of privy to the information or whatever you should be spreading it with people because i think on the ground it seems like everyone is over here is largely in support of palestine like i've seen there's been multiple pro-palestinian rallies like thousands and thousands of people coming out to march, flags, everything like that. I haven't seen the only Israeli flags I've seen this week have been on Twitter. So, you know, I think that says a lot. But um, yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna be cheap as fuck and say that that posting was the most based thing I did this week. And you are great um, at posting, Tim. <laughs> what about you, um, Kira? Um, I think I have to echo what you're saying. Uh I've been posting a lot lately and just trying to keep up with the trying to keep up with reality and then the propaganda narrative so I can def- kind of combat that narrative and stay one step ahead of it as best I can to whoever is paying attention to me. Um so yeah, I've also been posting, but even more important, I um I made a hammer and sickle pumpkin yesterday. Um let me let me uh let me show it to you right now. Oh, there yeah. it is on my screen. Hammer and sickle pumpkins. I'm pretty sure. Oh, that's really good. I, like it's I, so, pre- the lines are so clean. And everything. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I'm pretty sure that that made a difference. So <laughs> <laughs> that's the most base thing that uh, I've done. But yeah, no, I've been posting a ton. Honestly, it's been very disheartening in a lot of ways. But also, it's been interesting seeing the people that are aggressively trying to speak on behalf of the Palestinians who cannot speak for themselves versus um, a lot of people that just aren't speaking on behalf of them that are, that are not doing that. And so it's, it's, or even worse, trying to tell people to not speak up on the Palestinians behalf or even repeating the IDF narrative. So it's, it's been, it's been a, it's been a rough time, obviously not nearly even quite at all as rough as what's going on right but it's just it's been i think a lot of people can probably agree with what i'm saying with the the sentiment i'm expressing and that it's it's always really tough to see um even when the smallest of of stakes like it the stake of of being like liked on the internet that people are willing to still take certain sides and it's kind of disappointing to see but i've been trying to do my teeny tiny little part as much as i can and, and just do so, do post away so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> does seem kind of silly but i think that looking at the way that social media has been over the last week where they're like the idea of just posting some really kind of wild stuff and how it has been just normal people that have been kind of debunking you know, like there's like a lot of stuff where it's like, you know, they'll post a video or something of, you know, like an alleged occurrence or whatever. And then 
someone else will just be like, Hey, I found this video three years ago. It's actually from this, you know, and just like stuff like that. And it's like wild and how it's like that completely just undermines their narrative, which I Mm -hmm. think is um, like, there's, there's not much that any of us here can do from our homes aside from, you know, like donating and, you know, like kind of attending rallies and, you know, trying to do that kind of stuff. You know, like I know people that have, literally flown overseas to like take part in various struggles and all this kind of stuff but you can't really do that with this because it's on lockdown you know it's like i mean there were there were people flying over like i saw something some dudes from new zealand going over to fight for israel but it's like what are you doing (laughs) you know it's like you're yeah yeah so um there are pretty limited options about how you can actually help out this time so i think like you know if you can't do anything else you can you can post you can get it out there I also feel like a little bit more responsible and like feel like a little more of a push of obligation to have to speak up because my country is like they are funding Israel's existence, right? Israel wouldn't exist if America wasn't bolstering it with billions and billions of dollars. I mean, like Joe Biden said in 1986, uh, if if Israel didn't exist, it would be necessary to create it. So, you know, um, friend of the show, Joe Biden. Thank you, sir, for your Um, service and your explicitly saying the thing so we don't have to we don't have to even connect any dots there you just said the thing thank you sir yeah, yeah. i am um, i feel like um for me like a lot of the stuff that i've been looking at and it's like some stuff i've been posting about that people may have seen on twitter is there is um there are a couple of israel or israeli orgs in new zealand that really um are trying to focus on building solidarity with um, with Maori and Pacifica communities um, for various reasons. And um, they do often push this kind of like indigenous solidarity kind of thing or whatever like that. And um, they hugely overplay how popular they are. It's literally like it's a handful of people that are all like writing articles, putting them out, posting them on blogs, linking around the same couple things and you know the time the times of israel will be like posting these articles being like this is how much maori people love us and look up to us and we have this solidarity and like all this kind of stuff and it's like yeah it's literally like a handful of people so um i've been devoting a little bit of time this week to really kind of like exposing that because you know some of these people are literally like from you know like the same tribe as me and it's like i know that they're not like they will post online about like this person is like this, you know, really esteemed, like, you know, like elder figure and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, no, he's just an old person. Like, you know, like it's (laughs) (laughs) stuff like that, you know? Um, And, you know, because the, I guess the community is so small, I think it's like really, that's probably one of the more effective angles I can take it, but there is like, um, there is a more nefarious side to it aside from them just kind of like laughing as you know indigenous people which you know is israeli jews are not the israel are not the indigenous people of israel you know it's just completely yeah yeah that's just a completely manufactured kind of argument but um they are trying to get as many small pacific nations as they can on board like um samoa tonga and stuff because um all of those countries uh you know when you have you know like world forum things un meetings and stuff like that even like a small country like that will have a vote 
And um, it is really important for them to get as many people on site as possible. And it's a very low cost investment for them to, um, you know, to kind of um, get an extra vote by, I guess, um, cozying up to, you know, like a just a small no- uh, nation down here in the South Pacific. So um, I think it's, if you are, if you're down here, in, yeah, if you're down here in Australia, New Zealand, if you're on the islands, um, I don't even, I don't know. I know that we do have some fans from Tonga and Samoa. Um, if you're out any there and you see people, you know, like they often they get involved with a lot of church groups and stuff like that. I think um, it's your duty in the posting war to to educate the people around you about what Israel is really doing. And um, I would say emphasize the similarities between um, what Israel is doing to Palestine to what, you know, like various other nations have done throughout the Pacific for, you know, this, the, you know, just as long. So, um, yeah, you know, uh, that's, that's it. That's, 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 it. that's what we've been doing this week. <laughs> uh, we have a based viewer. Um, so I hope I'm pronouncing this right, but I have a friend with the same name, so I think it's the same. Uh, but Xenia, uh, she has told us a bunch of based stuff this week, much longer than we can include in full. But we wanted to shout her out for taking steps to begin organizing this week. Xenia writes, I've made an open call to the local trans community to organize ourselves. We've been recently fucked over by a shitty NGO, so I see an opportunity to build some mutual aid. People seem to have responded with interest, and I know the more active organizers in the community will support this action. It feels great to really put my politics into practice. So that is so awesome. I love that. I Every single one of these, I love reading them. I love hearing them. Um, it's great to know that we have an impact on like getting people to do it because that is the whole point of this show. Um, so please, we want to know what based things you've been doing. Um, you can message us on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. Send an email to based at redplanetshow.com. That's based at redplanetshow.com. Include your name and pronouns if you're cool with that, and we may shout it out in a later episode. So thanks so much, Senior. Now, uh, the news is a little uh, scuffed this week uh, because most of the news uh, is about the ongoing genocide in Palestine. Uh, and of course, we're going to be um, doing the main seg- section of the of the show about that specifically. So we have uh, a little bit of stuff to talk about. Let's talk briefly just about some climate stuff. So uh, we have um, some news about the ozone layer. So um, people, if you're as old as me or older, you will remember uh, that the ozone hole was one of the biggest things in the 90s. It was the huge sort of environmental thing. And um, uh, I I don't quite remember, maybe my co-hosts can help me with this. But like, I think the thing was, there was a certain chemical in sprays, in deodorant and hairspray and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, um, yeah, aerosol sprays uh, release. Was it CFCs? That's and, it. Um, so it's just kind of like, um, you know, the ozone layer, it's not really like a layer of one particular thing, but it's like a combination of different gases sitting at different, you know, elevations due to pressure and all this kind of stuff. Yes. And so with enough other chemicals or any other changes or whatever, this is obviously like a balance that can be shifted. Climate change is like a combination of all these different things, right? All these different systems. And it's just the ozone layer is part of it. So yeah, there's been this this whole, I, I know a bit more probably about it because 
the thing they always told us when I was young was that the ozone layer, the hole in the ozone layer is actually, it's pretty much, it's over New Zealand, <laughs> which um, I don't know. I don't know if it is or if it's just like part of it or whatever. Right. But um, if there's um, anyone here that has ever been to New Zealand from another country, you'll probably notice that you get sunburned really like a lot faster here than you do in in other countries. And I've noticed that like, you know, cause like I, I will tattoo people like, you know, like um, travelers, like tourists and stuff like that, that'll Great. be here. And they'll be like, you know, here for like a week or something like that. And they'll be just like super tanned or like sunburned or like, you know, they won't be able to get tattooed or whatever. And they're just like, yeah, I just went to the beach like yesterday and I'm already like fucked up, you know? <laughs> so, um, so that's like a thing that and they taught us a lot about it in school, you know, growing up, they were like, this is happening. And unfortunately it's like, you know, right above us or whatever. So I don't know. I haven't, I, I don't remember seeing on a map, like, you know, whatever, but, um, so yeah, but it's obviously it's still been growing because no one has done anything about, you know, like climate change, nothing reasonable anywhere. Well, I, um, I feel like I remember hearing some news a while hmm. ago. I don't know how, um, you know, correct this is, but the, in like, the middle of the 2000s or 2007 or something like the the hole in the ozone layer was better and oh, now yeah. it's gone completely the other way again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. so that that seems to be what like uh this particular article is saying um, yeah. so there's, there's a satellite up there called the copernicus sentinel 5p Mm-hmm. Uh, and it shows that this year's ozone hole over Antarctica, actually. So not. Oh uh, right, well that's really close to but... us. Yeah, 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 we're like very. Um, I think we're like the closest landmass to Antarctica. Or whatever. Yes. So yeah, mm. yeah. I and guess because is... it'll be like the Earth will be spinning, right? It'll be spinning around, and, and it it, so the gases will kind of like you know accumulate around the tip, probably. So. For real, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Mm. So scientists are calling it an ozone depleting area. Uh, and it apparently reached the size of 26 million square kilometers on the 16th of September this year, roughly three times the size of Brazil. Um, Diego Loyola, DLR senior scientist, commented the, S- the Sentinel at 5P total ozone products have an accuracy at the percentage level compared uh, with uh, uh, ground-based data, and this allows us to closely monitor the ozone layer and its evolution. Uh, the Troponi measurements are extending the global ozone data record of European satellite sensors covering almost three decades um and it says also that the variability of the size in the ozone hole is largely determined by the strength of a strong wind band that flows around the antarctic area so exactly what you're saying tim like the gases are basically like accumulating because of the the flow of wind uh, uh, uh in that particular place in, in in the planet a direct consequence of the earth's rotation it says yeah, yeah. yeah so we've had some um great feedback in the chat saying that it's not just the cfcs in um you know aerosols but also refrigerants so um they you know like in any kind of like fridge or anything like that and air conditioning unit and um while they have been replaced with you know like other things over the years like low ozone stuff um there's still you know it still does have an effect and you can um yeah you know like the little stickers that you get on a fridge and it has little star ratings like that you know but um yeah so that's a little bit of a little bit of additional knowledge but yeah okay cool well glad that um that's getting worse 
Sounds great. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in other news, I uh, forgot to eat today. I'm just realizing that. Do you mind if I grab a slice of pizza for myself? You go and eat, Kara. Don't worry. Me and wow, thanks. Yeah, yeah. We'll take Hope everyone. Yeah. Okay, thanks. <laughs> go ahead, Sam. Cool. So um, SAG-AFTRA, so that's the Screen Actors Guild, they have they've been wanting to continue bargaining, but um, AMPTP just walked away from the table, I think about 10 days ago. So um, if you're just tuning in, we have covered this before in past streams, but the Screen Actors Guild have been striking alongside the Writers Guild of America. The Writers Guild of America recently actually, um, they got the demands. They fucking nailed it, you know? So um, that was awesome. But the Screen Actors Guild is still working on their own. So Screen Actors Guild, um, it covers everyone from like background extras in TV shows all the way up to, you know, the George Clooney's and all that kind of stuff. Um but uh yeah obviously some people have more to gain from you know being there like what they're a huge portion of their membership is just working class actors you know like the day-to-day job kind of people it's um the the amptp have kind of tried a couple of smears where they're like oh these rich hollywood actors they just want more money out of us poor studio executives but it's like absolutely not the case whatsoever while their membership does include people that are you know like really um well-paid actors the bulk of them are just literally just you know extras and yeah you know and even just like people that are doing you know people are doing commercials and things like that um so yeah so they <clears throat> They've been bargaining on and off for a while, um, but yeah, about ten days ago, MPTP were like, "What you want is too much," and we we're just stepping away. Um, so the the head of SAG after, which is actually Fran Drescher, the nanny, um, she has spoke about it and said that AMPTP were misrepresenting their demands and the numbers that they were. Like they basically came out and they said, this is how much this is going to cost us. This is unreasonable. And they're saying, no, these calculations aren't correct. These aren't the, you know, these aren't the numbers that we gave you or anything like that. It's actually really reasonable. Um, and you know, there were claims that the AMPTP were deliberately mis- misrepresenting their demands to try and sway public opinion, which has been a huge thing throughout the WGA strikes and through these ones as well, the SAG after strikes. So some of the things that the um, the guild are asking for is like you know expanded like healthcare and things like that um, for the for the studios to be paying into you know like the kind of healthcare plans and all this kind of stuff, but also just to cover non guild kind of you know people and stuff like that, just in general to raise the bar for what execs pay actors and stuff. So like a couple of days ago, a bunch of bunch of the super rich actors were like look we want this all to be wrapped up so what we we're prepared to do is we're gonna put a bunch of our money in together every year and we're gonna pay for all these things for the actors and so you know a lot of people were like oh wow that's so kind of them or whatever but um sag after actually was like no like look we appreciate the gesture we know what you guys want but this undermines the strike because that means that instead of getting these things f- 
from the studios. We're just putting that back on other actors. And, you know, it's like, this is stuff that the bosses should be paying us for. And it's not unreasonable to ask for that. So, you know, thanks, but no thanks. We can't, you know, we, we're not going to accept that. Um, yeah. And which is like, I think a really, it's a, it's a brave move from there. And it's absolutely the correct move because it would have been easy just to be like, yeah, let's just do it and go back to work. And, you know, this is like yeah. George Clooney and stuff um, that were, you know, like offering to put this money in. Um, and I mean, it's like, I think in that case, the best thing they, well, what they could have been doing could have been paying that same money into like a strike fund or something, you know, like, um, right. but um, so AMPT just announced, I think yesterday or the day before that they are coming back to the table, which is good because, it shows that, you know, this is like them stepping away from the table is kind of like a bluff, right? And because they because they held out AMPTP are having to come back to the table now and be like, oh, okay, sure. all right, let's let's consume, continue negotiations. Um, so starting on the 24th this week, 24th Tuesday, they're back at it, which means um, this will be over. Yeah, so this is about 100 days of SAG after a strike now. Um, hopefully, we can get a good resolution for them. Like we got, uh, there was a good resolution for the WGA strikes. Um, and I think that both of those strikes will have long term um, positive effects. You know, like if they, if they can get what they're, what they're after and like i think just the general bar for like tv and movies and everything will get better again like with the absolutely <clears throat> with the writers strike i think particularly in regards to you know everyone's complaining these days about like man all these netflix shows are the same and all this kind of stuff and it's like well this is the antidote to that you know so if you want if you want well written tv shows you know, like this is what you got to do. And if you want, if you want, um, if you want actors that actually are, you know, taken care of and can actually have proper careers where they act, you know, professionally for their entire lives and they're not having to do other stuff as well, they treat it just like a job, like anything else. The SAG after a strike is important for that, you know, and it's um, a lot of people will, you know, kind of act like, Oh, this is just, you know, bougie actors, whatever like that. It doesn't matter. But, um, I think that that really downplays the, yeah, you know, just like, like I was saying earlier, the amount of working class actors that are out there. Everyone watches TV, everyone watches movies and all that kind of stuff. It's like, it's pretty disrespectful to the workers in the, those industries to kind of um, make those kind of bourgeois acting arguments, knowing that, um, yeah, the majority of these, these guild members are just people, working class people like you and me. Um, and also there has been some footage released of TV shows and movies where they have not been able to hire extras because of the strikes. So instead they have used um computer animated extras and they're so bad 
like most video games, there'd be the cutscenes in that, and there'll be like people in the crowd behind, and they're just like looking like C three PO and stuff like that. It's like that's what you get. Like if yeah. that's you know, like that's what I'm you planning. Get. Um, I'm planning a video um, because I, 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 I'm you know me. I'm a paranormal weirdo. I love watching like my UFO documentaries. I love watching my ghost documentaries, and I found one recently um that was it was about ufos and something kind of struck me as off about it i was like this feels weird it like doesn't feel real it feels like what i remember it was like to take too much ketamine and like get really dissociated and like nothing kind of feels real anymore and i was like what's happening so then i looked into it and uh so i looked at like the producer and it was this one guy i think his name was like oliver stone or something like that not the famous oliver stone but like some random british guy and He'd made a hundred other documentaries this year, right? Now, anyone who works in any kind of production, even if it's YouTube, yeah? Even if it's YouTube, you're not making a hundred videos a year. It's not happening. That's completely absurd. Like, what are you on about? Like, unless these videos are just like, well, do you know what? I, I think it was a bit wrong to say YouTube because I, I imagine some people could make a hundred YouTube videos a year, but you know what I mean? Like in terms of like a high production quality, uh, uh, you know, uh, documentary. Um, and I knew it. I just knew it. Like all, all these, all these different documentaries have come out in, in 2023. And of course, what's happened in 2023? Well, it was the writer's strike. Well, it was the actor's strike. Of course, it's all documentary based stuff. Uh, and this loser is like writing all these documentaries on chat GPT, uh, uh, and just like, you know, hiring a voice actor scab to, to, to do the voice <laughs> acting. You know what I mean? And then it's yeah. just like, Oh, it was just so obvious. I did see um, there was someone had put out like a documentary on the current uh, Israel-Palestine uh, conflict and had, it was all AI made and stuff. And it was like really bizarre. Someone had posted it. It was like a production company and stuff. And they'd put it up on Twitter. And it was like, you know, just like a bunch of moving pictures with like a kind of voice um you know that's like exactly what this was that's exactly yeah what this yeah was. yeah and it was like and it was bizarre because it was like the the script for it was just not really saying anything you know it was being like this conflict is so old and really complicated and oh this is definitely really the same guy. Uh, yeah 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 it's 100 percent like, the same guy not saying yeah, anything yeah, at all but a lot of random yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah 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 and just like and it's like you're not saying anything you seem like you know like when you're um when you do speeches in class at like primary school that's what you're trying to like you didn't write anything you like yeah you like were too you know like you were he did it all you, an you hour before you, the you, class oh you're just like freestyling you're just like making it up <laughs> as you go along you know you're just like so it is impossible to say who is good and that's just like literally oh this is definitely the same guy i'm gonna look at yeah, yeah. the stream but i'm certain it's the same guy probably right. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it just sounds like when I'm listening, I'm listening to you too, and it just sounds like you just don't like innovation. <laughs> you know what? I actually it is, hate innovation. I actually hate innovation. I think there should be one video game, one film, uh, one drawing for everyone to look at, and uh, it, that's it. I think that if we had socialism, then we'd get all the best artists together. Uh, in fact, not even the best artists, because we'd all have the chance to yeah. have art and contribute to the one big painting we all get to um, do a little line on the, everyone on gets the drawing to... <laughs> yeah. 
and um with the same brush because it's our brush yeah our brush, brush. yeah our brush yeah, you yeah. can't have more than one brush what do you think this is like extravagant <laughs> yeah, yeah. capitalism yeah yeah totally it's um it's it's all it's about um i mean <laughs> yeah you've seen the the juice flag there's like one brush in the middle that's it yeah that's literally yeah, that's yeah. it yeah. that's the people's brush <laughs> um <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, um, yeah, so that's that's our other news. Um, you know, like hopefully, uh, yeah, that uh, this track pays off because well, I think it, um, I think it really has shown like they've called the bluff. Sorry, they called the bluff of the studio, and now the studios are coming back, being like, okay, maybe we'll continue negotiations. So, well, um, yeah, we'll see how that develops. We'll probably update again, I guess you know next week or whenever there's more um more to update you on but i do um, i i haven't got this in i'm sorry to interrupt you Tim, because i <laughs> forgot to put this in the document but <laughs> there is something to report on in terms of the um comments of the show because palestine action of course oh yes yeah yes um one of the things they did this week was they drove a van uh into um the elbit systems factory in leicester here in the uk and there were two actionists who managed to stay on the roof of the van um, for quite a decent amount of time before the coppers finally got them off. Um, there's a very funny video of uh, the police sort of pointing tasers at a security guard because he's kind of got like a balaclava on and stuff. Um, and and he's like, no, no, I'm one of you. I'm one of you. It was so funny. Like, <sighs> hey, hey, you know, so if you want a bit of a laugh, you could you could check that out. Yeah, um, yeah. He was he was shouting, "I'm with you, I'm with you," uh, and they were just like pointing the pointing the tasers at him. <laughs> no, um, I'm also a fascist. No, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm also doing genocide. I'm also protecting genocide. Um, yeah. So that's very funny. But of course, that's not the only thing that they have done. There is actually Palestine action in the U.S. I think I might have yes. mentioned this last week, but mm. I do I do just want to point out to our comrades in the u.s that the palestine action is in the u.s as well yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. they've been and, doing um actions yeah just like similar to the um to the uk ones you know they've been tracking down the albert systems factories you know painting yeah. them with red paint and yeah yeah they actually went to um not bbc so there were different like bbc offices all over the country but bbc scotland uh is in glasgow and some palestine action activists went there and painted um i think complicit in red they spray painted complicit in in red or uh genocide or something like that on the the offices in scotland uh they've also released a map uh, if you go to their website, I think I mentioned this last week, uh, but I yeah. do think it's important to, to reiterate that um, if there is anything that you want to do, that you want to get involved with, of course, operating entirely within the law, we would never tell you to break the law here on Red Planet because of the law is, of course, correct and, and morally correct and, and, and true. Um, and we love Joe Biden. We, we love, love Joe, Joe Biden. Biden. Oh, I love Joe Biden. Definitely vote blue no matter who. Uh, vote blue no matter who, no matter what they say uh, about Israel or, or genocide. No matter the war crimes. Just, just vote blue. Just vote blue. It's, just, it's good and right to do so. Um, yeah. But yeah, so uh, you could go to uh, Palestine. I, I believe it's pal dot, uh, palaction or pal-action.com forward slash map. Uh, I might be wrong on that, but even if you just Google Palestine action map, you will be able to find um, a, a list of sites in the UK where you can get involved with actions with your local Palestine action group. And the links to all that's going to be in the um, yeah. 
the show notes, the show on, notes Patreon. on Patreon. So yeah. if you're part, if you're, uh, <laughs> check out our Patreon for sure at patreon.com slash red underscore planet. Yeah. Before we, um, before we carry on, I just want to point out, um, so speaking of Palestine action in US, this has been one of the kind of more interesting things that I have seen this week in regards to, um, you know, like how we all know that uh, Twitter is totally just like it's a rigged game. You know, it's like Elon's faves get, you know, get what they get. And um, free speech, free speech doesn't exist on that platform anymore, unfortunately. Uh, a great example of this is... Um, is the Palestine Action US Twitter page, pal underscore action US at Twitter and follow their account. And then if you like refresh the page or you leave and come back, you'll find that you're not following your account anymore. And um, they've reported their following following count just like going from, I think between like 25K down to like 200 or something, just like randomly all over the place. And um something's going on there, you know, like, and people have been talking about it for the last week or so. Um, yeah. Every time I go, I click follow. I just did it right then. And then, um, you know, refresh the page, not following anymore, but you can follow any other account that all works, all that kind of stuff. Um, I would suggest, you know, people try it out to see, um, to see what I mean, see what I'm talking about. Even every time I refresh the, the follow account changes and stuff, it's, um, this is, yeah, it's like, it's wild, right? Yeah. Also, if you click on their followers, so if you click on mm. the number of followers they have, they have 37,000 followers. You click on that. Then it says pal, pal underscore action US doesn't have any followers. Yeah. Mm. And so they're not even listing the existing followers. Um, yeah. Now, I personally think this is all one big misunderstanding because Elon Musk is a free speech absolutist. Mm, so yeah. he would never. I think this is just a, a technical glitch. Some a wire <laughs> fell out of the Twitter again, so. building. And I yeah. think that's what that's happening right now, because I can't imagine that apartheid Elon would want to, you know, silence the indigenous voices that are trying to resist apartheid. That isn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't imagine apartheid clyde elon musk <laughs> yeah. who grew up the beneficiary of a south african emerald mine under apartheid i cannot imagine him ever possibly supporting uh, an apartheid regime i just can't mm, imagine it actually now when you put it that way i'm starting to think <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm starting to think there's something there, maybe there might up. be something there so that's a that's an interesting little thing um that you know maybe that'll pop up again in the future i don't know i feel like there's so many lawsuits and stuff going on around twitter i wouldn't be surprised if um if that you know ended up getting mentioned at some point um but yeah it's wild right that's the suppression that the writer always like claiming happens to them but um you know here we go in real time <laughs> um so <laughs> Yeah. So that's 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 the news. Um well, why don't we uh let's um talk a little bit about how if you if you enjoy the show and you want to support us, uh one of the best things you can do for us is to jump on over to www.patreon.com slash red underscore planet. You can uh subscribe to our Patreon. Um, there's a couple of different membership tiers all the way from just like a couple bucks up to a couple hundred. If you are a true sicko, um, 
yeah, and that helps us put the show together, helps pay for our producer and everything like that. We're almost at the point where we can afford to hire an editor as well. We're so close. Extremely um, exciting. Extremely yeah, exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which would be awesome. So, um, yeah, if you want to support the show, if you like what we do, you can jump over there and, um, yeah, get amongst it. And, um, yeah, cool. Among us. We'll come and back to you, that a little bit later. And if you don't enjoy the show, you should still um, give us money, ironically. And that would be such an epic burn. It would like, be a huge I would own. shit and piss mm. all over my apartment. Yeah, definitely don't, like, subscribe to our Patreon and see, like, our secret posts that, like, really tells you the truth about Red Planet and the hosts. Red Planet exposed? No, I don't think so. You definitely, you don't want to see that stuff. You don't want to see that stuff. So give us money. Um, yeah. Yeah, do the do the, do the the Joe Biden thing where you can condemn us publicly but still send us, like, a sly billy here, here and there. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's, I think we're um, all we're all at least for me. I'm like my brain is so fried from everything that's going on that I'm just like in pure joker well. mode. So I apologize in advance for okay. I apologize now and in advance for all my all my sarcasm. I'm gonna try to not. I'm gonna try to cut it down, but I'm in joker mode. <laughs> Everybody who finds it hard to detect sarcasm, uh, we'll do our best. We'll yeah, do our best to, to give you a, a live tone <laughs> indicator as to whether we're being sarcastic or not. Hopefully you've watched the show long enough to know, uh, to, 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 to find out which things we're actually being sarcastic about and which ones we're not. But anyway, um, we are, uh, here today to talk to you about the thing that is the most pressing right now. Um, it is the situation in Gaza. Uh, we're talking about the genocide that is happening in Gaza. We, I think at Red Planet, we don't really have uh, an intro written up for this, but I think my co-hosts will agree with me and say that we are not here to mince words. We are not here to both sides the issue. Uh, we are aware of the entire occupation in context. It has been a 75-year-long uh, 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 genocide. Um, and I think it's important to remember that, and I think it's important to call it what it is. Um and we have a lot of things to talk about. We have a lot of things to talk about. We've um, tried very hard to, to make this as, um, I guess, like uh, structured as possible. Um, and uh, Kira has done an amazing job of throwing in some links. And me and Tim have been uh, getting in amongst that as well ourselves. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's it's there's a lot of stuff to go through. There's a lot of stuff to go through. So um, I don't know if anyone wants to like volunteer to go first to talk about like particular things. Um, does anyone want to start off with the early history? Yes. Yeah, so while the real, I guess, kind of meat of it started about 75 years ago now, it kind of goes back a little bit further than that. Like, you know, like a lot of people will say that to really kind of cover it, you do need to go back to like, you know, the Ottoman Empire, basically, which, um, so, um, during like the late, like 1800s, 1900s, um, there was a slow trickle of Jewish immigrants moving back to Palestine, which was, yeah, which was still then part of the Ottoman Empire, just like over time and stuff. Obviously, Judaism has a history in the area, you know, like there's, you know, like, I mean, there's been so many different ethnic groups, different religious groups there over time. It was like such, you know, like you think about all 
aside from just like the religious stuff, but also kind of just like all the history of the area, there have just been so many people coming and going over the years. And so a lot of people were like, you know, we're going to start moving back towards Jerusalem. In 1917, uh, so during the First World War, there was a thing called the Balfour Declaration. So this was the British government saying, um, we support the idea of a national home for the Jewish people in Palestine. So, yeah, at the time, um, it was an Ottoman region with a very, very small minority of Jewish people. And these are the people that have been kind of, well, the people, so there's Palestinian Jews, like Arab Jews that have always been there and have, never left. And these people are, you know, Palestinian. Um, and then there's, you know, the people from the Jewish diaspora and people that had, you know, like uh, cultural Jews, people that had converted to Judaism that have moved back since then. And so there was still a relatively minor, um, minor population there at the time. That's when the start of the idea of a Jew- Jewish homeland on Palestinian land came from the Balfour Declaration. Can I just can I just add a bit of a context because mm. I talk, I spoke about this um on my stream this week um because um uh, supporter of Red Planet supporter of various streams and everybody here I think all the co-hosts Huska do um has a copy of uh, Di- Diaspora Boy uh which is an amazing book he sent me uh, a couple of pages from it uh because Zionism actually started uh, uh, earlier like around um sort of the late 1800s. And uh, the, the grandfather of, of Zionism is a, a fellow called Theodore Herzl. Uh, now, Theodore Herzl said some uh, incredibly absurd things uh, about Jews themselves. Um, and it, I do want to like sort of, uh, you know, just sort of touch on that. Um, because he, the, 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 the Zionist line is very horrible to diaspora Jews. It says they don't have any culture. It says they don't have any land underneath their feet. So they don't have a soul. And if you do not subscribe to the Zionist line and go to the Jewish homeland, wherever that was going to be, because at that point they had several ideas of where it was going to be. They were either going to have it in Argentina uh, or Kenya. Um, and there was another place, but also Palestine. And obviously Palestine was the one that was was the most uh, 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 available because the Zionists had a lot of connections with the, the UK government. There was actually the World Zionist Organization at that time. Um, and that is why. So just to add con- context to what Tim's saying, and so why, you know, why did these Jews all of a sudden, you know, decide that this was a good idea? That was why there was the, the, the Zionist line. You know, and, and 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 honestly, some of the things I do, I do just want to point out, like, because I had no idea about this. I've learned this this week. But the, some of the things that Zionists said about diaspora Jews, you could take the quote uh, uh, thing, you know, wh- whoever said it, you could take that away if it's Max Nordau or uh, uh, Theodore Herzl or any of these other guys, and you could replace it with Adolf Hitler and no one would know the difference. It was extremely anti-Semitic stuff, you know? saying that they're like hunchbacked and they have like no uh, 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 sort of like strength, like that, you know, the, the lack of their homeland makes them weak and subject to like assimilation and all this kind of stuff. So I think it's really important to preface that because that, um, you know, th- this will make more sense going later when we discuss how Zionism is not Judaism, basically. But yeah, sorry, go on, Tim. Oh, um, Herzl himself, he was like, anti-Semitism will help us because um, fostering these ideas will make other western you know like governments and stuff want to you know want to help us to get rid of their 
Jews, you know, like sort of thing, which is like, just like, you know, like a bizarre thing Extreme to say stuff. about your people. But um, this quote's from him saying, these anti-Semites will become our most dependable friends. And it's like, well, yeah, I guess that, that absolutely happened. Yep. There was like lots of wild stuff with, you know, like early Nazi Germany and Zionism, where it's like they basically were just like agreeing on a lot of stuff. It's like, yeah, it's it's pretty brutal. It's also super important to remember that uh, at the time, well, not to remember, but just to mention to everybody, if you're not aware, that even at the time there was mass Jewish resistance to Zionism. Yeah. They did not want to participate in colonialism, and and anyone who has studied the Torah, anyone who has studied the the religious texts of Judaism, knows that any kind of like baseless hatred is completely against the Jewish faith. Um, and the idea of, of, you know, having the Jewish homeland is only something that should be, it, and this is in the Torah, I'm not like speaking for Jews here, like this is, you can, you can find this, you can read this. The establishment of the, Israel, of the state of Israel is only something that should be done when the Messiah comes. So this is something that is like, you know, we, we are not to do this off our own back. We are not to decide. We have to wait for our messenger of God to tell us when this happens. And that's why a lot of Orthodox Jews and just Jews in the diaspora, even if they're casual uh, in terms of like, you know, supporting their religion, they are against Zionism. Yeah, I think all of the Jewish people that I know are all anti-Zionists, you know, and some of these people are Israeli Jews. Um, they still work for a... Um, a woman who owned a tattoo shop in Australia who was an anti-Zionist Israeli Jew. And, um, and she said that, yeah, her entire life, she kind of, you know, was like groomed to believe, you know, a certain kind of, um, perspective about, you know, about Zionism, about Israel and all this kind of stuff. And it was only on moving outside of that sphere and moving to Australia where she didn't really know anyone and kind of got away from it that she was like, oh man, like I've totally been brainwashed, you know? So um, it's it's strong. The ideological project is very, very strong. Um, Defo. So yeah, so Belfort Declaration. Um, yeah, and um, yeah, so even like Jewish people in England at the time, Jewish MPs and stuff were just like, wait a minute, like what the fuck, you know? Like a lot of them were like, yeah. this is not, this is not good, you know? Um yeah, and then so a couple of years later, after um, World War One, uh, England actually gained control of Palestine under a mandate from the League of Nations. The League of Nations is kind of like the pre-UN, you know? Yeah. Sounds kind of just like the more um, supervillain version. <laughs> it actually yeah. does, yeah. <laughs> um, and... Um, yeah, you know, and so, and during this period, the, the Jewish population was growing, um, and there was, you know, the growing, uh, Zionism, which is like the Jewish nationalist kind of movement that was growing in Palestine was leading to a lot more kind of conflicts and stuff. Um, and so, you know, like this is kind of when the heat starts turning up or whatever. Um, and so, um, yeah, then, so after World War Two, there was um they obviously you know we had this like huge amount of displaced jewish people from all over europe all over the world that um you know like they a lot of them just felt like they had nowhere to go and there was like a distinct thing like this is like when it really kind of became a thing like okay like you know like and you see like all these people at the time 
and it's and it's wild to look back on it because it's like this is like obviously so like i mean you know it's like the kind of looking back at history is always like this right where it's like you can see kind of what's happening here where there's like there are these people that have had like the worst thing possible has happened to their people and their culture and all this kind of stuff and um you know, you see all these like opportunists being like, oh, wait, we can, you know, like we can use this. And so um, this is when you start to see a lot more like, you know, like a lot of these people that were some of the founders of Zionism, founders of Israel start saying like, this is, this could be an opportunity for our colonial project, you know, like literally using those words being like, we need to colonize this area. We need to displace, you know, the Arabs that are there already. And just like, using the exact same language that was used against them, you know? Um, yeah. And it's wild. And, you know, like, um, like me was saying, there were even like floated other places for them to settle and all this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, there was even like, there was a bunch of people from my tribe, um, Napui who like, were like, we will donate land for you guys. Like we, you know, like we have land that we will give, the Jews basically, which is like wild to think that there could have been like a, you know, a Jewish homeland and, um, to Taitokoro. But, um, uh, yeah. And there was even, um, Aboriginal Australians did the same thing, you know, because they were like, we've, you know, like we know, you know, more than anyone, like where you guys are at right now, you know, Aboriginal Australians went through like a horrific ethnic cleansing project that, you know, still, still carries on to this day sort of thing. Um, and, um, yeah, I think this is where you get to the weird thing where it's like, there's the Jewish culture and religion, and then there's the state of Israel, you know, and Israel profits from there being no distinction, you know? And so they're saying it's important for us to return to this holy land in particular because it's ours but then also framing it as like a secular state and all this kind of stuff like that and it's um yeah you know and so they kind of pushed it really hard that it, it has to be here you know even though the majority of a lot of these a lot of the people that have moved into israel since are not um like like not from the area like, you know, they say this is a homeland for all Jews, but it's only in the in the way that it's also the homeland for all Christians and all this kind of stuff. It's like where yeah. the culture springs from. But it's like, you know, like a lot of these people, you know, and it's like this is the thing where you see it, where it's like people that are like from America, from England and stuff who are like, you know, they, they don't have a actual kind of tie to the area in the way that indigenous people generally do you know like displaced indigenous people where it's like they were the dominant ethnic group there for years and they were you know pushed out exiled shifted around whatever like that and they're coming back a lot of the people that um you know like a lot of the a lot of these zionists that really uh basically the the dominant group in israel at the moment are people that are you know like yeah, like Europeans and Americans and stuff that have um, culturally mixed, adopted, or like even just like, you know, whatever, um, you know, into Judaism and then returned later. So it's like a lot of people will make out that it's anti-Semitic to say that. Um, but I think that you have to be realistic about uh, 
there's a difference between someone that is like, you know, like um, Jewish, Jewish as a religion or as a culture or as, you know, like ethnically kind of like, you know, from the Levant, you know, like actually yeah. Semitic. I think that's a really good point, Tim, because one of the ways in which the uh, occupation is, you know, lauded as a conflict, it's described as a conflict in inverted, uh, sorry, in in quotation marks or inverted commas, whatever you want to say, uh, you know, to to sort of delegitimize what they're actually saying. But uh, uh, they they kind of paint it as uh, uh, Muslims versus Jews, which is completely incorrect. It's completely incorrect. And it just... It ties into Islamophobia and racist white supremacist tropes in the Imperial Corps, which is, of course, like, you know, who funds and supports Israel. Uh, there are Mizrahim who are Arab Jews, and they all live there. They live there with Muslims uh, and uh, Christians all, all peacefully together, you know, until the Zionists came. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's like um, Ethiopian Jews, everything like that. Like there's also like the Christians, there's a huge Christian population there as well. Um, yeah, from everywhere from, you know, like, yeah, Ethiopian Christians, um, you know, like actual, you know, like Arab Christian, Palestinian Christians, uh, everything also, like that. Also, I like, learned yeah. it, Armenian Christians. I didn't even know yeah, this, yeah. but in, in Jerusalem, there is like a sector, a sector for Armenian Christians who like, you know, a lot of monks in the in the Middle Ages became uh, Christian in Armenia. And then they came to uh, uh, Jerusalem and settled there and again, lived in peace with the rest of the population until the Zionists came. There's, um, I actually was posting on Twitter yesterday about the world's oldest tattoo shop is in Jerusalem. Um, and it's been there for, it's been there since, uh, they don't even know exactly when it was settled there, but at least since the 1740s. Um, and it's a, an Egyptian family of Coptic Christians that, um, because everyone used to go there on pilgrimage. And the thing was that, um, uh, you know, you would get a tattoo when you got there of a Coptic cross to say, I've been to the Holy Land or whatever. So they were doing this way back in the day. And it's a, continuous line almost 30 generations of families and stuff and it's like Amazing. they you know like like who we were talking about the other week Haley Selassie the um, king of Ethiopia he was tattooed there you know like just no like way. stuff like that like there's this huge culture of like different groups from all around Africa all around Europe and like Eastern Europe and everything like that coming through that area and people you know like these, this was an Egyptian family that came there and stayed and this was hundreds of years ago you know like um there's so many different groups there of different faiths and actually the the um the Razuk family who run this shop have spoken a lot about the um the way that since the um since israel has existed because their shop and their family have you know the tattoo shop has predated the state of israel they um they've seen it happen in the way that um that christians have since been um disenfranchised by the new um israeli government and how it is tied to their religion and stuff it's just like the the main thing obviously is that you know the the religion stuff i think is kind of like that's like the culture war aspect of it where it's like really the real shit is like the control the power the resources the capital all this kind of stuff you know america all this kind of stuff like that but um but they they do things to make people feel unwelcome because they know that you know the coptic christians aren't really kind of 
you know, they're, they're not really fucking with the Zionist line or whatever like that. So it's like whatever they can do to make them feel unwelcome, you know, and this is just like that kind of background radiation of like, you know, like the, the microaggressions and the, you know, kind of like all that little stuff or whatever. So, um, yeah, and they've spoken a lot about how that has changed over the years, um, for, for Christians in that area. And they've also been, um, yeah, really outspoken about the treatments of, um, Palestinian Arabs as well. So, which is, um, you know, go them. Um, but yeah, so anyways, post Holocaust now, the founders of Israel decided this will, this will be our place basically. And, um, the United Nations, uh, which at the time was largely like the UK and co, um, I mean, still is, but, it used to be the UK was like really the more powerful one now. Yeah. It's more American. Um, so they decided we're going to split this land that is Palestine. We're going to partition it into two separate Jewish and Arab states. So um, the Arab states and, you know, and the people of Palestine were like, yeah, actually, let's not do that. Let's just stay as we are. We're like, you know, we we are Palestine, but we have Jewish people here. That's fine. We don't need you know, we don't need to do any of this stuff. Whereas um, the, uh, the founders of Israel were like, let's do it, let's go. So they just went ahead and did it. Um, yeah. I think so, also yeah. it should be it should be stated that like the indigenous Palestinians, they were ready to welcome Jewish refugees yeah, yeah, yeah. from Europe. They, they they were not opposed to this. Yeah, yeah, um, no, totally. There's some, you can yeah. see photos of them welcoming them in, you know, like and everything like that. And they were just like, they, but they just said they were like, we don't need separate states. We, yeah. you know, like they can, can just come. Together. You know, like you can just come. Yeah. We've always had Jewish people here. Yeah, we can have more. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know? yeah. And so they came. They established the separate states. Um, tensions kept rising, which led to a year, like a year later, the nineteen eighty, the nineteen forty-eight Arab-Israeli War, which was um, really horrific. Like, yeah, thousands and thousands of people died and ended with um, what you may hear referred to as the Nakba. So the Nakba is, it means catastrophe in Arabic. And it's basically the, yeah, the forced displacement of somewhere between 700,000 and 800,000 Palestinians. Most cases are around 750,000. Um, so it's just huge amount of people pushed out. Um, it's sent around the world and, um, you know, which is like, yeah, so wild. And you can see it. There's like literally like photos of them literally just like, just walked out, you know, like literally just totally. And so even before that, a lot of Palestinian people were leaving because of the war and all this kind of stuff. It had just become a generally really unsafe place. So a lot of people had started just moving out, spreading out anywhere. But um, yeah, the Nakba is when it was like they were re- literally just forced out. The Dare Yassin massacre is widely regarded as um, one of the, the, the key moments in the Nakba. Um, and that was a village. It was a Palestinian village. Uh, where a Zionist militia went in and just massacred a hundred Palestinians, or I, it might be a hundred Palestinians or a hundred Palestinian families uh, in their homes. That there, there, there was a resistance, uh, and in fact, you can you can actually find interviews with survivors uh, of the Deir Yassin massacre, um, who said exactly what the Zionists did. Um, a lot of the Palestinians who were captured were paraded through. Uh, Israeli towns, they were spat on, uh, they were tortured, they were murdered. Um, a lot of women were sexually assaulted, they were raped. 
um, and and they brag about it. This this I, I I cannot stress this enough. They brag about it. There's literally videos of like these soldiers that are bragging about what they did, and it's like it's wild. It's like you know, like these guys just like laughing about it, being like you know, like it was you know, like how you get that those kind of old guys that love to tell their war stories, but it'll yeah. be like, oh, this time you know, like we tricked Johnny with a grenade or whatever like that, except it's just like, instead of just like dumb old dudes, like playing pranks on each other, it's like literally people talking about like, just doing like the most horrific shit. It's, yeah. It's like, I, but, I, you know, and I, it, I, they, they will hate us for saying this, like the, the, the Israeli propaganda machine hates any kind of uh, comparison to this, but it's like listening to Nazis. It's like listening to Nazis who did the fucking Holocaust brag about the Holocaust. Like that, it, yeah. It's exactly like that. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it absolutely is. And I think, um, yeah, the dehumanization of the Palestinian people is, as part of the Zionist ideological project, is, yeah. like, so immense that um, I guess it's, like, hard to grasp um, for us out, you know, side of that. But, um, you know, and it's just, like, this, this thing that's been going on for so, so long that a lot of these people, you know, these soldiers that do things like this, they literally don't even consider you know like there's been a lot of quotes from people like this where they just ref- even there's been even recent recent statements from israeli mps calling palestinians like human beasts and cockroaches and all this kind of stuff like that and it's like that is like yeah you know like that is literally that's that's genocidal ethnic cleansing language and it's like that's how we get to the actual genocide that we're at now is that this like dehumanization over years and years and years and so the nakba was like was just huge it was um like that was the like the great kind of exile where you know all these palestinian people ended up moving out all over the world you know like um england new zealand australia all this kind of stuff and so you know obviously they've had they've had families, they've had kids and stuff and, you know, like carried on around the world. And um, through the people that left because of the Nakba, through their kind of like just tireless work as, you know, activism and all this kind of stuff, like it has kind of like raised the, the kind of general awareness of what happened then, um, you know, around the world. But like apparently I read newspaper sources from the time where it's like, there wasn't even like, you know, when the Nakba was happening, it wasn't even that widely reported that this was what was happening, you know? Like, it's just like, and I guess this is the same with like a lot of other, you know, things like, you know, like America bombing Cambodia and stuff like that. There were, you know, like Americans didn't even know that was happening, you know? Um, so it's like a very weird thing where back in the day, a lot of people, it was just like, cool you know like in the the newspapers and stuff it was like awesome you know the jews have a homeland now it's fine and stuff and a lot of people just didn't really know that there was this other side of um things until years later so there was the two states that they um created the palestinian state and israeli state and they drew up some lines and they're like okay this is this is where you are this is where they are ever since then basically israel has been pushing outwards and further and further and claiming more land through various little like skirmishes or even just like, you know, tricks of the legal system or just straight up, just like bulldozing, you know, like uh, Palestinian towns. Um, 
there's people I know who their grandparents still have the keys to their houses back in Palestine because they just had to leave like at the Nakba. They were just like, they're told to leave or whatever. And they decided like, well, we're going to go home one day, you know, but like those houses just don't even exist anymore for a lot of them. Sometimes they do. There's, um, you know, there is, there's videos online you can see of people getting back to Palestine and going to see their old house. And there's like some dude with a Brooklyn accent living there, you know, and it's like, what the fuck? Like, how does this guy have more? claim you know than um than the people that you know live there but um yeah so that's gradually pushing out further and further taking over more palestinian land to the point now where the the vast majority of all palestinian people palestinian people either live in gaza or the west bank so they're two separate areas they're not connected and you know around there's borders on all sides the west bank is a little bit more open like you can just you can drive into the west well i mean before like two weeks ago you could just drive to the west bank whereas gaza is what they refer to as an open-air prison you know it's just completely completely locked in um fences everything armed guards everything like that um but so for a long time for decades this area like gaza and everything wasn't completely locked off, but it was occupied. It was like, um, you know, like they didn't have the fences up and everything like that, but they did have, you know, guards everywhere and all this kind of stuff. Um, and it's only really been since like the early 2000s that they fully just like fenced them in. And that's when it really, that's when people started using the term like open air prison, um, which is, you know, the ter- a term that comes from the, you know, the people of Gaza that are saying that is how we live we did kind of skip a few decades in there. Um, so yeah, in between there in the sixties, we had the six day war, um, you know, where they obviously like a lot more attacks, a lot more claiming of new land um, around the late sixties starts to be when the international community starts kind of taking notice. And that's when like a lot of people start really kind of being like, Hey, is what they're doing. Okay. Over there, you know, um, that's when we see the rise of groups like the PLO, um, the Palestinian Liber- Liberation Organization. Um, so, you know, that's why a lot of people, if you're probably like mid-30s or older, you're familiar with the name Yasser Arafat, who um, was kind of the, I guess, like the figurehead for the PLO and um, and other various groups like Fatah um, over the years. So he was um, a Palestinian he grew up in Egypt and, um, but you know, like he was Palestinian and stuff. So he was heavily involved with, um, like even in the Arab Israeli war, he fought there, um, and then was exiled, I think back to Egypt. And then he started kind of building this movement, like this political movement, like we're going to go back and we're going to free our people. We're going to fight back against Zionism and all this kind of stuff. So he founded, well, he co-founded Fatah. So at the time they were a paramilitary organization. So they were like, you know, they were like, we are going to go back and take our country by force. We're going to free our people, um, you know, through, like whatever means necessary. Um, Fatah has, has over time changed and is now like um, a kind of more mainstream liberal political party, which 
a lot of the other groups have said, you know, like these guys have, they've, they've fallen off. Like they're not radical enough anymore. Like they are too, you know, they're involved with electoral politics and things like that. And like, we simply, you know, we shouldn't be paying attention to that shit. We should be, you know, kind of, um, fighting for liberation. You know, yeah, yeah, we should be fighting. Um, so, um, yeah, he, he passed away in the early 2000s. Um, you know, a lot of people generally see him as, um, you know, like they were like, he was like one of the really kind of like the fathers of the Palestinian kind of liberation movement, you know, being the head of various organizations and all this kind of stuff. Um, Israel obviously says like this guy is like, you know, he was like, he's like their version of like, you know, Bin Laden or something like that. But um, yeah, but then, you know, like, the modern kind of more radical movement kind of say like, oh, you know, like he kind of, he got sucked in by the system. Um, He, you know, he kind of ended up being like, they say that he kind of got a little bit toothless in his age and he kind of got sucked in by, you know, the Israeli government and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I think that his early work with, you know, with, with um, Fatah, with, PLO and stuff really paved the way for a lot of these other groups that literally emerged out of the groups that he was involved with. Um, so yeah, so um, yeah, the PLO popped up and in the sixties, a little bit later, we got the 67, we got the popular front for the liberation of Palestine who are still going, who are the ones who have been releasing statements like the part that I read earlier in the episode so they are the popular front for the liberation of Palestine and they are an explicitly communist, actually a Marxist-Leninist group that um, their focus is on armed struggle. They're like, you know, they they basically, um, you know, the same Marxist-Leninist line that we've seen from like Thomas Sankara, Che Guevara, all of that, kind, all of those guys, like they're basically, that's their view, that's their angle, that's how they're going. Um so still super active, um, super kind of um, they they work with a bunch of different groups, uh, even outside of Palestine, um, and they are active. They're active basically all throughout Palestine. Whereas you get other groups like the ones that has been on everyone's lips, Hamas, um, who were founded in the late eighties who they primarily just focus on Gaza. Like they're from Gaza. That's their kind of spot. Like, you know, they're primarily concerned with Gaza and then, you know, from there. Um, unlike unlike the PFLP, Hamas, uh, um, they're Islamists. So they're, they, their goals are for um, not just, you know, Palestinian liberation or whatever, but they want to establish, you know, like a, a wider Islamic state, whatever. So, um, yeah, whereas, you know, the, the PFLP are more like, you know, like we're here for the, um, you know, the emancipation of the, the working class people of Palestine. Um, but, you know, like a lot of people, like we've seen a lot of liberals like tied down with this whole thing where, um, you know, Zionists and Iran are going like, do you condemn Hamas? You must condemn Hamas. Like, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, can't speak for anyone else here or anything like that. But my personal view is that it doesn't matter. And that there's, I'm like, personally, like I don't condemn Hamas because there's no reason for me to. 
it doesn't it doesn't right. achieve anything. I'm not yeah. Joe Biden. I don't give a yep. fuck. Um, <laughs> you know, like uh, there's no there's no reason to there's no reason for anyone to get bogged down in those kind of arguments. And um, I feel like simply it's like we can't criticize anyone in a national liberation struggle for you know it's like sure you know like I don't agree with them on everything or anything like that, but um, I don't think that anyone outside of Gaza and the West Bank has any has any kind of um, leeway to condemn people, you know, like people getting mad about, you know, like, like terrorist attacks or whatever like that is just like, like you can't put a pot on the stove and then get mad when it boils, you know? Yeah. Since we're at the point where Hamas has been founded, um, Mm. let's do a little bit of a exploration into why, um, everybody who is an established politician, everyone in Israel, um, is desperate for people to condemn Hamas. So the Hasbara line, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the Hasbara later on, but suffice to say at the moment, uh, it's, it's the, the propaganda wing of the Israeli foreign ministry. Um, the Hasbara wants people to condemn Hamas because they say that Hamas wants to exterminate all Jews everywhere. No more Jews. They're the same as Hitler, right? And if you actually do some research and read Hamas's charter, and uh, there are two Hamas charters, actually, um, one from 1987 and a more recent one from 2018. Even if you read the one in 1987, it does not explicitly say we want to kill all Jews. It doesn't even say we want to kill all Jews in Israel. It says we want to kill Zionists. We want to take our land back. We want emancipation for our people. Now, of course, this isn't to say that Hamas isn't a reactionary uh, uh, organization. It, of course, is. Um, you know, there are lots of um, anti-queer sentiments. Um, but again, I think everybody has to remember that... Um, how else do you expect, like Tim said, if you put a, a, a pot on the stove, you expect it not to boil, while Israel is constantly, constantly telling people, we love queer people, we, you know, queer people, it's all about the liberation of queer people, that's why we must kill Arabs, because Arabs just hate queer people, like, what do you think is going to happen? How do you think is it, it, that's going to make Arabs react? They're going to start associating LGBTQIA plus people with imperialism. It's the same thing that happens all over the Middle East. That's why most Middle Eastern uh, countries have vast anti-LGBTQ plus, uh, 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 you know, sentiments. That's why that happens. And of course, who does that come down on the most? Well, it's the queer people in those countries. They suffer the most as a result of that. Um, Now, let's talk about the 2018 rendition of the Hamas Charter, which they also changed to, to make it less about, uh, you know, sort of like I- Israeli quote-unquote civilians. And I, I used the quotation marks there because uh, I'm personally of the belief, and I think my co-hosts are, that there are no civilians in an active occupation. Um, but it even explicitly changed it to make it less about getting revenge on, on Israeli settlers. They changed it to be less intense. So just to, you know, uh, 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 sort of like clarify what yeah. Hamas actually is and what their stated goals are. Also, yeah, it's like Hamas are, are um, they are reactionary, you know, like what we would describe as a right wing group. But um, so the reason that they have become so powerful is because there was an active movement to eliminate left wing Palestinian groups by 
Israel. And I mean, this is why, you know, like you see, like there's, you know, it's like a very, very well documented that Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu in particular, has funded Hamas because it's it's better for them to have this um, extremist, you know, like terrorist enemy than to have an organized leftist opposition, which is what they had. And so um, we talked about this a little bit last week, actually, when the Soviet Union, um, uh, you know, like disbanded and flipped back to capitalism. So the, the Soviets were, they were helping fund a lot of leftist groups all around the world, um, a bunch of them in Palestine. And so when the, when the Soviet Union fell, a lot of those groups lost, uh, you know, all their funding, whatever. They were really disenfranchised. Um, and so groups like, you know, people like Benjamin Netanyahu and people like, you know, like, and other kind of shiftier groups would, they swept in and started funding groups like, you know, Hamas and other, you know, right-wing groups or whatever to assume that, like, to take up that power vacuum or whatever. And, um yeah, it's like this is, you know, it's the same as same as America funding the Taliban and all that kind of stuff like that. It's like they train them, fund them, everything like that. And um, like in America's case, it's like they just kind of did that shit to destabilize the region. In Israel's case, it's like they did it because they knew that for every for every attack, they can retaliate tenfold. They can claim more land. They can do all this kind of stuff. And also... Um, <clears throat> In terms of liberation struggles, you don't really get much stronger than an organized communist kind of like internationalist movement, you know, like, yep. uh, you know, like the Marxist Leninist movement, like the PFLP are pushing like that is that's a really strong force to contend with. So it's like, you know, like just, you know, mm-hmm. get a bunch of, you know, like yeah, basically just get a bunch of reactionaries together hype them up, give them guns, and then, you know, and it's like, I'm not saying that that's all Hamas is. They obviously, you know, there's obviously a lot more to it. And, um, you know, like this isn't even, calling them reactionary, I wouldn't say it's like an insult or anything like that. I think it's like a realistic appro- appraisal of their views and everything yeah. like that. No. Um, but, yeah, I think um, I think that a lot of people kind of... Um, also overplay Hamas's kind of um, control or power in the area as well. Like people say that like every, like everyone in Palestine is like, you know, like they all, they all voted for Hamas and it's all, you know, they're in control and all this kind of stuff. Whereas like there are so many different groups. The Hasbara line, the Hasbara line is that all of Palestine is Hamas. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's what they're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, like, yeah, there's so many groups there that all have different beliefs and everything. So, yeah. It's funny that the is Israeli line is that all Palestine is Hamas, even if even if even, their actions even reflect this, so they don't have to even say it explicitly. It's, it's shown in their actions. But yeah. I just want to add to this that Hamas was also uh, funded and bolstered by the Israeli government in order to maintain a separated, separated regions that would never unify under the same, like, yeah. government. Um, to maintain a, um, a one government in, in the Gaza Strip and one government in the West Bank. And so not only what you're saying uh, is is true, I wanted to also point that out, that a fragmented people is also 
people that cannot or have a harder time unifying and, and taking their land back. God, there's so many other things I wanted to say. I can't remember, yeah. but yeah, well, do you know about the Yitzhak Rabin one? So, so, Yit, so Yitzhak Rabin was the prime minister of Israel who engaged in the Oslo peace accords. Uh, we're going to go on to this in, in, in a little second, but, but there was um, uh, sort of like a peace process that was happening between uh, Palestine and Israel in, in about 1993, I think, after uh, the, the, first inter, the first intifada. Um, and um, Yitzhak Rabin was the prime minister, so he was a more liberal uh, Zionist prime minister. And he is on record as saying... I don't know if it was in a conversation with Yasser Arafat, but it, it was, he was on record as saying Hamas was our biggest mistake. And Yitzhak Rabin was actually assassinated by a reactionary supporter of Benjamin Netanyahu and Likud, uh, uh, the, the party, for, for engaging in conversation with Palestinians. So even that guy, uh, you know, he, he admitted a lot of stuff and he was, he was, I wouldn't say like, you know, I would say he's like a Joe Biden character. I wouldn't say he's like, you know, he was a good guy. Uh, he did the bare minimum. He recognized Palestinians as people. Yeah. Uh, and, and even he admitted that Hamas was Israel's biggest mistake. I wanted to add something to uh, what you were saying before about condemning Hamas. I think the insistence for uh, the insistence that we're seeing from Zionists to condemn Hamas, condemn Hamas, even going so far as to blaming uh, Palestinians in the West Bank that are terrified for their fellow Palestinians in Gaza Strip as being like somehow still guilty of not condemning Hamas. Like in these, even in these interviews, they're like, these people are terrified. They're not only being murdered in the West Bank, uh, by the way, where Gaza is not governing. So they're being murdered by the IDF and settlers in the West Bank, but they're, so they're scared for their own lives, but they're also scared for the lives of their fellow Palestinians in, in Gaza. And even the media is showing them as like, they're scared, but they refuse to condemn Hamas. Well, you know what this is, this is related to? Like, The Onion did that satirical article saying Gazans criticized for not using their last breath to condemn Gaza. And then there was an actual news headline that said the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's really depressing. Um, but I, I want to point out there's this, uh, I was learning this the other day, which is it, it, this fantastic documentary that uh, I'm going to share uh, probably near the end of the show. Or maybe we'll just, I'll just say it right now. It's called The Occupation of the American Mind. And you can find it for free on Vimeo right now. Um, it's 84 minutes long. And I've been, I, 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 it is so eye-opening to the the Israeli propaganda machine and how explicitly first of all it's like american <laughs> one two um it's very explicitly um trying to twist the conversation trying to change the conversation away from uh colonial um settler colonialism and the seizing of land and the um expulsion of people it's trying to twist that away from that into twisted to terror and like the one of the phrases from it um if they say this, the settlements are the single toughest issue for Israel because they're noting that the majority of Americans agree that Israel should give back the land it captured, or at least the land it captured in uh, 1967. Um, and then they go so far as to say the fight is over ideology, not land, terror, not territory. So this constant push to like disregard the what settler colonialism is, the, the settler colonialist project that is this that is created in an apartheid state that is committing acts of genocide on the daily. Um, we're we the Israeli propaganda machine, uh, led by Frank uh Frank Luntz wrote this guide. He's like a very famous propagandist, has done all sorts of bullshit. Um, 
he's kind of a master at this shit because clearly the number of people that are asking other people to condemn Hamas should be evidence enough that the conversation has been so twisted away from what it should be. Um, so yeah, the, when he says the fight is over ideology, not land, terror, not territory, he's telling, he's saying that the way that we need to keep Israel alive and, and, and people in America defending it is by constantly shifting the conversation to Hamas, constantly shifting the conversation to Hamas. Even going so far as to just happily make the assumption that any Palestinian or any any person that's even looking to a Palestinian person as a human being is Hamas. And if they don't explicitly condemn Hamas, now that's the conversation. The conversation should never be about that. And so I absolutely back what Tim was saying earlier in refusing to condemn Hamas. I also refuse to condemn Hamas. Yeah, same. I also refuse. Yeah, Yeah, it's just a waste of time. It's, you know, like... Do we ask Americans to, I don't know, condemn his, Henry Kissinger? You know, it's like, yeah. I, I, it's, 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 I, I, I do want to like, you know, stress so much that it is all just white supremacist liberals who are terrified um, of what is in their head, just scary brown people. You know, like that's that's all it is. It's like this this manufactured view of Arabs, this manufactured view of uh, you know things that we've had since since nine eleven and before since nine eleven and before um, ab- about like how Arabs are backwards and they don't understand things and you know all this you know nonsense racist stuff. So you know when when we're asked to condemn a uh, organization who yes of course they have reactionary views it's it's definitely pertinent to mention that but they are engaged in an anti-colonialist liberation struggle you are doing the work of the oppressor if you are constantly asking people to condemn those people like what is wrong with you like it, it really gets under my skin like really really does also they can't hear you they're not they're not here you're just doing propaganda for the for the in this case i'm gonna speak it as an american because america is like the number one actor in keeping israel a thing um you are just helping to shape the public's opinion your hamas is not going to be like oh my god i can't believe uh 420 uh blowjob doesn't doesn't like me oh no (laughs) (laughs) it's not it doesn't matter right yeah yeah some wow but um yeah so i think yeah that kind of that covers the, the, the 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 history yeah for sure. well yeah up until um the the first intifada yes i think um so that's what we were starting to kind of talk about earlier um so intifada is an arabic term that translates to something like like uprising or the shaking off and um so in yeah in the context of you know, Israel and Palestine, it means, um, it basically means a huge public uprising of like protest and resistance against the Israeli state. Um, and so there have been, um, two recognized intifadas so far. And, um, a couple of groups have called what is happening now. A couple of Palestinian groups are called, this is the third intifada is what they're saying. Um, so, uh, yeah, basically it's just like a period of prolonged struggle, like more like direct struggle as opposed to just, you know, like kind of um, the day-to-day struggle of living under an, a, an occupation. So um, 
Yeah, the first Intifada was uh, started in 1987 and went until 1993. Um, and it started in, in Gaza, in the West Bank, in, later in the end, December, at the, um, well, the incident that they, that kind of lit the match, you know, was, um, there was the Jabalia refugee camp. So an IDF truck, uh, smashed into a car, killing, uh, four people inside. Um, three of them, three of those who were, you know, actually from the refugee camp. And so the, so the, the truck, you know, the idea of soldiers that were fine, whatever, but, um, it was the Palestinians had reason to believe that this was an intentional attack. You know, this wasn't a traffic accident or anything like that. It was the guys in the truck, like cra- intentionally crashed into, um, this car full of workers. Um, and just as a little bit of context, um, the whole time all this stuff has been happening, um, Israel has used Palestinian workers to, you know, in the same way that you see like America, like day laborers and Americans, like in America, like, um, you know, like Mexican and undocumented workers that get paid like barely anything. So, um, yeah, these guys from the refugee camp, these were, you know, when they say workers, this is what they mean. They were basically just like, um, you know, it's like this thing where it's like, this occupying force is like very happy to use them as like the cheapest form of labor possible to build on their own lands, you know, like to build on their own soul and lands, which is like horrific. But, um, so, uh, yeah, they say that like the, the claim is that, um, the car crash was in, like retaliation because um, an Israeli, um, so some Palestinians had killed an Israeli person in, da- in Gaza the day before. Um, you know, like in general, Israel has quite often um, made attacks, you know, like um, uh, every, every kind of slight of a Palestinian is met with like a, you know, a significant um, I would say like a, you know, like a leveling up of the response sort of thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, I mean, it's hard to say from an outsider or whatever, like, is this, you know, was it actually retaliation? Was it intentional or whatever? But I think that regardless, either way, it shows, you know, it shows the tensions of the time. It shows the general, general kind of feeling of the people, what was happening. Um, but yes, yeah, so think, um, if you want to, if you want to really simplify the situation, the way that I do this in my mind quite often is by imagining a big fucking bully um, holding a, a little fucking nerdy kid up against the wall by the throat and not letting him go, uh, shaking all the fucking change out of his pockets, like just you know constantly like calling him a piece of shit, calling him scum, all this kind of stuff. As soon as the little nerd tries to like shout or spit or something like that, the bully just fucking pummels him. That's what's going on. It's like saying, you know, uh, 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 Israel's got the right to defend itself. Uh, well, doesn't don't Palestinians? You yeah, know, don't Palestinians yeah. have the right to defend themselves from like the constant pogroms that Israeli settlers are doing? In my view, it's like a state doesn't have a right to defend itself, but people do. You know? Yes. It's, right. Yeah. Um, For the record, international law doesn't even support the notion that Israel has the right to defend itself. Um, I actually, yeah. I actually posted this on Blue Sky the other day because I read this really fantastic piece by a Palestinian scholar and um, 
let's see, where, what is it called? Yeah, Palestinian legal expert and scholar, Professor Noura Eric Arakat, uh, shares this, wrote this thing. Very, it's very succinct. And I think it's kind of like a really, um, it's a kind of, I think required reading for people if they're looking to like talk to people about Palestinian, like Palestinian liberation. I think it's just, it's very short, but it gets to the point as to like why even international law does not actually, um, identify Israel as having a right to defend itself. Um, but no, it doesn't have a right to defend itself. Sorry. Mm-hmm. That's my position. And yeah. I'm, I agree. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, after this event in, uh, the Jabalaya refugee camp inside the camp, um, riots broke out immediately. Protest riots, um, that lasted for a pretty long time, like over. So the following year, <clears throat> they killed 300 Palestinians and they say up to 20,000 were wounded. Um, and almost 6,000 were imprisoned by Israel. Um, but, um, so while it kind of began as an unorganized kind of like response to, you know, what, what it happening around this time, um, Yasser Arafat, who we were talking about earlier with the Fatah party, who at the time had been exiled in Tunisia, um, they stepped in and they were like, no, like, we need, you know, we're going to, we're going to take control of the situation. We're going to channel this, you know, anger and we're going to, you know, like basically being like, we're going to organize, um, you know, organize these people, these frustrated people that are acting out. And at the moment it's like, you know, just this kind of like, um, you know, just like this very raw kind of like pushing back against their, their oppressors. So, um, yeah. So that's when they started talking about, you know, this is when you started to see like, well, after all these deaths and stuff, the international community started kind of being like, hey, wow, this is actually kind of fucked up. And that's when, you know, we started getting like boycotts. Um, you know, there was even like, um, there were like people living in like, <clears throat> like Palestinians in the West Bank who were, or, and even like Palestinians that were living in Israel back when it was like less kind of segregated, where um, they just stopped paying taxes. They started. <clears throat> striking at the workplaces all over the place, just general civil disobedience, all this kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, by, you know, after about a year or so, it was just fully going. There was just like strikes and actions literally happening everywhere. Jordan cut all ties um, with the West Bank. The world started taking notice being like, there's something happening in Palestine that maybe we didn't see was happening or this period of unrest carried on for a couple of years um, into the early nineties. And so, um, you know, like this is like, you know, when we started seeing things like happening around there, like the Persian Gulf war and all this kind of stuff at this time, Arafat had uh, moved in with the, um, the Palestinian liberation organization. And so he had become the kind of like the world, the spokesperson to the world. He became like very famous at that, point being like this is the guy that you know like this is a guy that was appearing on the news this is a guy that uh, interviewing all this kind of stuff um and he was kind of putting the word out and saying that the rest of the world you need to take notice of what's happening and you need to start you know you need to start joining us just like nelson mandela did where it was like the rest of the world needs to you know boycott south africa while we're under apartheid and all this kind of stuff yes Arafat started doing that same kind of stuff where it was like everyone else you know this is how you can help us um and then um yeah 
this is like a little bit later. Um, it was about this time that Mule's uh, guy Yitzhak got in um, with the Labour right. Party. And he actually started engaging with the PLO and Yasser Arafat directly. They were even having like secret meetings where basically it was like, you know, this guy Yitzhak, who was a little bit more of a liberal kind of dude, he knew that the general Israeli kind of Zionist population would not be happy with him communicating directly with them. So they were having like secret meetings and stuff like that. And it was like, you know, like there was genuinely like a shift where they were like, okay, something might happen here. And then, um, yeah, and then, you know, just like JFK, like his head just did that, <laughs> you know, like something <laughs> happened. But no, like, I mean, with, with your take, it was like, no, he was like legitimately like very, like, you know, he was assassinated. People know why he was assassinated and it was because he, um, yeah, because he was taking a more liberal stance and kind of um, opening negotiations with the PLO. I mean, after that happened, like the violence stepped up quite a lot. And this is where we start seeing, you know, like Palestinian people doing like suicide bombings and things like that, because it's like, you know, any kind of suicide attack is generally the way that people that just feel absolutely hopeless go, you know, we've seen this with like self-immolation and things like this. These are, these are the protests of people that legitimately have no other option. You know, there's been a lot of, a lot of stuff that people say, like, you know, like Americans love to go like, oh, this is because they they believe they're going to go to heaven and they're going to you know have a million virgins waiting for them or whatever like that. But it's like that kind of shit. Those kind of conversations are purely to obfuscate the real legitimate, tangible, material reasons mm-hmm. that, you know, someone might actually, you know, take their life in that way. And also to to paint like all Muslims as potentially suicide bombers. Yes. I mean, it leads into the crazy anti-Muslim stuff as well, right? Yeah, yeah. no, it's absolutely Islamophobic. Um, but it's like you said, it's just completely distracts from like the, like you said, the material reasons why someone would have to, have to do that. It's like Christianity has all the same stuff about, you know, sacrificing yeah. yourself for a cause and stuff like that. It's all, yeah. Well, you know. what that, what that particularly does, I'm so glad you mentioned the materialism because, because what that does is it removes any kind of material analysis from, uh, 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 you know, people in the Middle East, Arabs, Muslims at all. It says that they're all just religious nuts and they, and they have no, uh, 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 you know, reason for doing these things. It's based in nonsense. It's based in indoctrination and lies and stuff like that. Whereas it's all projection. It's all projection. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, um, yeah, so that's when we start seeing that kind of stuff, which is like, you know, when the, when the suicide bombings start, that's like extreme, you know, that's like people that feel that there's no other angle here. Um, total hopelessness, you know, um but yeah which um led up to this period led up to the oslo accords um which i think you were talking about a little bit earlier yeah so the oslo accords were where you know uh, as i mentioned recently yitzhak rabin um did the bare minimum he recognized palestinians as uh, uh, as people uh, and of course this is after so much violence and bloodshed you know the struggle the the first intifada was based around uh they had to fight that much to be recognized as people not just by the then prime minister of israel but also by the international community because then there was a call from the international community to uh recognize uh, a ceasefire to you know call for a ceasefire and recognize uh, a two-state solution right they wanted to say right 
you've gone there, you've invaded, it's been happening for years, we know all the history now, um, it's time for you two to sort of make an agreement, uh, you know, Yasser Arafat, you and the uh, PLO can can ask for what you want in, in terms of the Palestinian people, what sort of like, uh, I guess like bits and bobs you can have in the agreement, and Yitzhak Rabin, you can uh, uh, say what the Knesset wants, um, you know, the Knesset being the, 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 the parliament of, of Israel. Um, and uh, Yitzhak Rabin was obviously like, you know, he had all the 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 definite tenets of zionism pushing him to like you know no, no, we can't give them this much we can't give them this much we can't give them this much um and there were um reports of ministers who were saying okay be vague and nebulous in the description of these particular points because then we can use that against them in the future right so uh, they didn't like for example define what a settlement was that's one of the big ones so yeah. you know gaza was uh, sorry the, the plo was basically saying no more illegal settlements and so yeah. in the, the 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 legal description of a settlement they worded it so that it was very nebulous it was vague yeah, yeah. it was like this oh, is well, not a settlement it's a kibbutz <laughs> yeah literally 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 yes exactly exactly that's, like, that's exactly literally it. yeah 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 um, and so, yeah, the, so that's what the Oslo peace accords were kind of, you know, they, they, they had this, uh, uh, uh sort of like, it, I wouldn't even say it was a temporary peace, but there was, there was yeah. like a, 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 a lowering of tensions and people thought that something had been achieved. The international yeah, yeah. community certainly did as well. Mm. Um, and, and that you know who didn't? It. Our boy, Edward Said. Yes. Friend of the show. Yeah, he did twenty years, but he'd be our friend. He'd be he'd come on red planet. Um, yeah, who he he likened it to um, the Treaty of Versailles, but for Palestine. You know, he's like, okay. yeah, um, and a lot of other you know like actual kind of revolutionary and militant groups said you know they were just like this is this is nothing you know yeah. like this is this yeah. is i mean and it's like literally like you know this is when Yasser Arafat started to lose favor i think with the more um the radical groups because you know he's like um on tv shaking hands with Yitzhak with bill clinton and it's yeah. just kind of like okay well mm-hmm. you know we're still living in an occupied territory. So. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's going around. He's 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 getting involved with all the imperialists who put us in this prison. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, actually, no, because it wasn't technically. I mean, it, it definitely was. It was blockaded and it was surrounded. Yeah. Yeah. And, it was it was um, occupied, but they they weren't referring yeah. to it as an open air prison just yet. Yeah. You know, they didn't, it wasn't they didn't like build the wall just yet. Yeah. 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 Like um, there's like yeah. you know there have been a lot of discussions about like, you know, people saying like, is it a prison or, you know, not or a concentration camp or whatever. It's like, it's like a semantic thing really, but it is like, you know, like if you were to look at it in comparison with, you know, with concentration camps in the past, it's, that's exactly what it is, you know, like. Um, And what is a concentration camp, if not a prison, a a massive prison, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, then uh, 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 the the next sort of like big uh, moment it was the second intifada uh, in two thousand and two thousand five. Uh, the second intifada, also known as the Al Aqsa intifada, began in September two thousand, triggered by a provocative visit of the then opposition leader Ariel Sharon to yes. the Al Aqsa Mosque compound in Jerusalem. Yeah, so that was like I think because like a lot of people be like, oh, you know, like. So he went to a mosque or whatever, but it's like, this was like, this was actually like a really um, controversial thing at the time because um, so the Temple Mount, it's a super important place to a lot of, you know, like in Islam and in Judaism and stuff. And um, 
there was um like a portion of it where they're like, okay, this is only accessible to, you know, like to worshippers and all this kind of stuff. His visit there was like kind of seen as a um a deliberate provocation because he was basically saying like every every Israeli person has the right to, you know, to come here. Him going up there with all of his, you know, like his crew and stuff like that, it was like in the face of everyone there just to be like, we can do whatever we want. We, you know, we contain full kind of, I guess, sovereignty over this area or whatever. And, um, you know, there's nothing you can do to stop us basically. Like he showed up with armed bodyguards and everything like that. You know, it's like, this isn't the same as like, you know, like a, a world leader just going to visit, you know, like the Pope or whatever like that and mm-hmm. having, you know, a photo up at the Vatican or whatever like that. This was like a, a patrol around and like, yeah. I'm pretty sure they locked down a lot of communities like IDF soldiers or IOF soldiers, uh, you know, went went round and basically like said, don't come out of your house or we'll fucking shoot you, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so um, there were, you know, and so this has been, you know, just like the first intifada began with protests and stuff. And even at the the day of um, of the visit and in the following days, there were... Uh, protesters that were outside they were outside the western wall and they were like you know kids throwing stones over and stuff and so um israeli police just started firing upon them um there was there was like something really said that was like the the chief of police was knocked out by a stone or something like that but it's like this kind of thing of like mm, was he you know like yeah. that classic like um was it the the ronaldo football move where he's like you know, gets um, a slight <laughs> tap and he's like, oh! yeah, you know, like yeah. The, the, the mighty chief of police take, brought low by a, a child's fucking people. Yeah. But, David um, and Goliath shit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, so then they, um, so they killed a bunch of children. They killed four Palestinian kids. Um, and then, so yeah, there was but hundreds of others injured. Um, yeah, and then elsewhere in the city, they were, you know, in the old city, they killed more Palestinians. Um, and but after a week, they, um, yeah, there had been a bunch more deaths, uh, hundreds more wounded. Um, yeah, and so that's when things started bre- uh, breaking out into demonstrations, protests, riots, and everything all over um, the Palestinian territories. Uh, with the West Bank and Gaza, they killed 50 people within like, you know, in the following week. Yeah. And um, yeah, so they were just, you know, like, and it was like slowly stepping up, you know, more and more aggressive. Um, they say like, there's a classic figure of them saying the first few days of the riots, IDF fired 1.3 million bullets, you know, which is just like, yeah so absolutely absolutely fucked yeah um and this is this is kind of when uh they started to build the wall around gaza yeah um, yeah yeah the, the the israeli military just kind of like started doing it they had like a, a, a an accord um that was like you know in in the in the knesset and they mm-hmm. they they justified it as <laughs> like you know oh we need to make sure that these violent Palestinians aren't smuggling weapons and they're not yeah. like, you know, getting all these things that they used in the Intifada. Like, we've yeah, got to yeah. stop that from happening. And, and this so is like, just... wow, because, yeah, this is literally like the IDF having like automatic weapons and body armor and all this kind of stuff, where it's like the Palestinians are literally throwing stones. Like Amnesty International did yeah. an analysis of this period and they said that they were like, um, yeah, 80% of the of Palestinian deaths occurred 
in situations where Israeli security services were not in danger, you know, which yeah. is like just wild, you know? Um, and um, yeah, there's also around this time is when there was the famous video that went, this is like went viral before things went viral all around the world of the child, um, the young boy, Muhammad Aldura, who was a young boy. Um, there was a video footage of him, being shot dead while hiding behind his dad in the Gaza Strip. It was caught on video, went all yeah. around the world. It's like a powerful video to watch because Extreme. it kind of shows like what exactly what was going on there. And this was like, you know, Israel like slandered them and said that it was like made up. Like this is when we started to hear the term Pallywood, which is when what Israel calls, um, they say all these videos are fake, you know, like they say, this is Pallywood. And um, you can look it up on TikTok at the moment. And there's like these just like deranged videos of Israeli people, like pretending to make, like they're mimicking these Pallywood videos that they believe are fake. And it's like, yeah. this is so yeah. sick you know yeah. like this is the thing like you won't see the real reality of extremely horrific reactionary israeli settlers uh you know they've been radicalized so much that they can't let any of that shit get out they can't you cut the israel are so desperate to not let anyone see just how vile and disgusting like i don't know what happened uh, uh but we're, we're going to talk about this in a bit because obviously we spent a lot of time uh talking about the, the 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 occupation in context and i think that's important but like there was an idf soldier recently who uh, uh basically on live television i think it was an al jazeera broadcast basically said uh, uh, uh we're gonna we're gonna reduce gaza to rubble we're gonna kill them all like rats um and i don't know if that guy would have got like you know uh disciplined for that or at least told you can't be saying that shit on camera bro because then they're gonna they're gonna find out they're gonna find out what we're doing um are you talking about the uh idf soldier that threatened the reporter yeah 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 that guy yeah yeah, yeah. we covered that on my stream it yeah. was horrifically yeah. disgusting but I, I always try to remind people that um if they're doing this on camera to yeah, me what are they not doing well yeah there's that but to me it gives me the impression that they're getting extra panicked um that oh, yeah i think they, they know they're, they're losing the propaganda war yeah i think they're i mean i can't say how much they're losing but it feels mm. like there is a shift at least it's visible to me yeah if in the middle of a reporter just trying to report all of a sudden idf soldier even mm. though there's a camera trained on the reporter is willing to go in front of the camera threaten the reporter and then turn to the camera and then repeat his like reactionary like yeah. Yeah. mantras and it's just like <laughs> Yeah. yeah i don't it's it's horrific but it's also it's 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 that it's israel going more and more mask off as yeah. we yeah, see yeah. things unfold just talking about uh muhammad Eldora and his death um just as a like really tragic kind of um you know like update on that um just in the last like week or so um so the father jamal Eldora, who survived was the son that died um he has lost two more um two more sons and i think oh no yes two brothers yeah his yeah. sister-in-law and niece and um you know in in gaza um which is while thinking it's like this the same guy is still suffering still suffering in palestine it's like 50 percent of the population at 18 40 yeah. percent of that uh uh, under 14 and it's like life expectancy is like 19 the average dude only lives to 19 you know and it's yeah. like 
this is like the amount of death that like these people are surrounded by just like all the time you know even outside of the war you know well the attack yeah let's now sort of like go through um basically what's going on right now yeah so it's a second intifada let's get to the third you can yes you can so you can understand everything in context that's why we've done this because now we're going to go through all this stuff and if you were for any reason before uh you know sort of like swayed by the israeli propaganda machine or like swayed by the liberal uh sort of like you know oh you know people shouldn't really be talking about it, it should be left up to them kind of stuff uh you're now able to see this in full context you're now able to hear us talk about this and understand the entire context of the occupation what has happened and all that stuff so let's talk about what is now being called the third intifada so uh, a coalition of Hamas, Popular Front for Liberation of Palestine, uh, and the Popular Resistance Committees launched an assault on settlements surrounding Gaza, killing what have been reported as either 800 or 1,500 Israeli settlers, depending on who you ask, i.e. like which, <laughs> which people are doing accurate reporting, uh, and taking hostages, um, the number of which keeps going up as being reported by Israel. Uh, and, and they did this for the negotiations for the liberation of Gaza and breaking of the siege because they've been begging people for 15 years to break the siege on Gaza and it is not happening. Now, as a result of this, Israel's retaliation has been mass bombing, displacement, ordering over 2 million Gazas to leave Gaza or to be bombed. Now, just for context, the Gaza Strip is 25 miles long and I think at its widest point, five miles wide. And it gets to as, as, as small as two miles wide. Um, this is like a, an extremely, I think I heard Norman Finkelstein compare it to uh, uh, an area in New York City that's very well known, like the, uh, uh, a, a particular university uh, and, and the distance between that and, and, and another place. But basically it's, it's, it's easy to understand because actually it's very tiny. I think in like... Um, if, if you're in Manchester in the UK, for example, it's like from the city center to the, the very sort of last bits of the suburbs in, uh, uh, Didsbury in the south or, uh, Middleton in the north. So it, you can sort of visualize it. Like that's how small it is. Um, and so they're asking half of the people in that. So if you can imagine, if you could try and visualize that in your head, like 25 miles long, two miles wide, they're asking half of those people to go to the Southern half of it. Now that's 2.2 million people, 2.2 million Gazans. Where are they gonna go? Now, in terms of the siege, in terms of the, the, the open air prison that is Gaza, uh, Palestinians are not allowed out. Now, you may think, oh, well, they could just go, like, a lot of, you know what a lot of Israeli uh, settlers like to say, and, and the Hasbara like to say, well, they could just go to Jordan, if they won't. Jordan is a neighboring country, if you're not familiar with the area. They could just go to Jordan. They could just go to Syria. They could just go to Lebanon. They could just go to, to Egypt. They can't. They actually can't. It is extremely difficult for Palestinians, uh, in fact, impossible for Palestinians to get out because they closed all of the exits, all of the places where aid can get in, all this kind of stuff, it's been blockaded for, for years. It's been blockaded for so long. Um, they, they can't get out. Um, and so essentially what they're saying is get into an even more crowded area. Gaza is actually the most densely populated place on the earth. On the earth, right? Forget what you've heard in Western newspapers about like places in China and all that kind of fucking xenophobic bullshit. Gaza is the most densely populated place in the earth. And they're asking it to become twice as much 
densely populated. People won't be able to fucking move, right? This this is the reality of it. This is the fucking reality of it. Uh, they have nowhere to go, and they are consistently bombing uh, uh, um, uh, uh, places. Uh, uh, Palestinians trying to flee. They're being told that they can go to safe routes. The Israel Ash, uh, uh, sorry, Air Force have bombed those routes. They've been bombed on highways. Uh, there has been white phosphorus used, not only in Gaza, but also uh, just randomly in Lebanon because they're terrified that the Hezbollah in, in Lebanon are going to respond to this and defend Palestinians uh, as they have been doing in, in the past. Um, white phosphorus, if you don't know, uh, is basically illegal under the Geneva Convention. It is a material that burns to the bone. It does not stop burning until it gets to the bone and even then it's almost impossible almost impossible to to to, to get like the the skin back and you will probably fucking die uh because it's that deep not only that but um it's also a hazard to any care healthcare worker that's trying to actually help that person because touching it can help can cause it to reignite and this can cause harm to the healthcare workers or, and obviously the person that is injured, but also the facility. So you can, you can see how this could be a massive threat to, to, to anyone and anyone harmed by white phosphorus, including anyone trying to care for anyone harmed by white phosphorus. Yeah. So, uh, this was the initial sort of response from Israel. Um, and then things have escalated, uh, over the last couple of weeks. So, for example, um, the way that, the way that the Israeli Air Force and the Israeli Defense Force or the Israeli Occupation Force like to warn, uh, uh Palestinians that they're about to be bombed, uh, is with a bomb. Now, that might sound completely absurd, but it is true. Uh, they have bombed hospitals. And said, that was our warning. We told you to leave. We, we bombed you. And then we, we phoned you and said, Oh, you got to evacuate. Now these are hospitals. They're saying you have to leave. Hamas is in the area. Now everybody in the hospital knows that Hamas is not in the hospital. Everybody knows that this is a place where the sick and the injured are getting treated. It's not an operating center for Hamas. And the way that the, uh, that the Israel line, uh, uh, the Hasbara likes to say this is they like to say that, um, Oh, the Hamas uses human shields. They hide amongst civilians. Now, anyone with a, you know, conscience, right, let's say, any, anyone with a, a hint of human empathy, with a soul, you might even say, uh, would say, uh, actually, what we should do is not bomb civilians uh, who aren't Hamas. We can't confirm that they're Hamas. We can't confirm that they're involved or anything like that. They say, no, what, what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to try and enter into negotiations with them, right? We're going to have to try and communicate with them. We're going to have to try and uh, get some kind of peace. No, they just bombed the fucking hospital. That's what they did. They bombed the hospital. Uh, I forget the name. This is Al-Asi, I think, Al-Asi. Uh, uh, and uh, if you've not seen this, the, the press release was traumatic. Uh, I would probably say do not uh, go and watch it if you are sensitive to anything like, you know, an actual genocide happening in real time or blood or dead bodies. They had literally the Palestinian uh, doctors at that hospital to make people understand what was happening, had to do a press release surrounded by dead bodies. There was a man holding his dead child in his hands in front of the press release podium. This is like, this is the reality of Gaza. This is the reality of what's happening. It is disgusting. I want to also discuss that specific event just for a moment, because what's happening right now is Israel's trying to do their Israeli propaganda playbook and twist the narrative into saying that Hamas bombed them, bombed their own hospital. Yeah. Um, 
By the way, this has been thoroughly disputed. Uh, all the, all evidence points to it not being that. Not that I have to tell you, but like all evidence points to it not being that. Um, there's plenty of video and photographs suggesting that it was, in fact, Israel that did this. Um, but also, Israel has released this these forged audio clips. So they oh basically these two. ID, I'm assuming two IDF soldiers um, spoke to each other in arabic and apparently to any native arabic speaker um this is clearly non-native arabic this is yeah i think this is like moroccan dialect this is like well this is like is this clearly like israelis trying to speak arabic (laughs) um and so um they're like they basically have this very forged conversation about like oh was that our rocket oh it was our rocket we did that we did blow up that hospital (laughs) and so israel's presented this as quote-unquote evidence now it turns out Anyone who can like do a rough examination of this audio clip mm. can see two very separate files that are being like overlaid to try to make this conversation. Um, not only is the like the actual like words and the accent off, it's also doctored. Like it's just a doctored thing. Yeah. Um, so I I, I want to mention all of this because this is just an instrumental example of when. Israel is on record saying you need to evacuate evacuate your hospital. We are going to bomb your hospital. Evacuate because we're going to bomb it. Then they bomb it. They realize the public hates that, actually. And then all of a sudden they're spinning the narrative. In fact, I should also mention that one of Netanyahu's guys actually tweeted out, yeah, Israel had to bomb this hospital because something, something human shield, something, something Hamas, um, and then had to delete that when it turns out the public did not receive that well. So this is a really instrumental, very like standard issue example of Israeli propaganda. Um, and I want to close this by saying, and it ties into what uh, Mule was just saying, because this hospital exists in Gaza and be- this is this is key. I know a lot of you know this already, but in case you need a reminder or you don't know this, because this hospital, this piece of uh, infrastructure is located in Gaza and because Hamas is the government, runs the government in Gaza that means all infrastructure is Hamas run. Technically, all right. of it is Hamas mm-hmm. run. The water system, the sanitation, uh, hospitals, all, all of the infrastructure is Hamas run. And so we're seeing in the media now, now we have these doctors that are showing absolute, just, just the most horrendous proof of the reality of the mass genocide that is occurring to Palestinian people as they're standing there surrounded by dead bodies. Now the press is trying to say, according to so-and-so um, from the Hamas run hospital, the Hamas, mm-hmm. this person, like something's only Hamas run. Everything is Hamas run. Just know that this is a deliberate decision to try to twist the narrative, to make you look toward any Palestinian as in located in Gaza, any person located in Gaza, as being a terrorist and not worthy of taking uh, seriously. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, I think another thing that we failed to mention as well, actually, um, is that uh, Yoav Gallant, uh, the the defense minister for uh, Israel, basically uh, made the decision alongside everyone in, you know, Netanyahu's Knesset and uh, uh, to the the resounding approval of uh, disgusting fuck- I, I don't even have the words for them. Uh, ghouls all over the Imperial Corps to the resounding approval of all of all of the leaders of the West, all of the leaders of the Imperial Corps decided to turn off uh, Gaza's electricity and water. Yeah. Now, when this was also met with 
international disapproval from not just not just on the ground people but but overwhelmingly human rights organizations yeah. human rights organizations who have power and lobbying power with with various different uh, uh, governments all over the world joe biden in his infinite care in his infinite empathy said uh yeah you better turn the water back on now jack uh but it was too fucking late Israel said that they turned on, on the water, um, but Gazans were dying of dehydration because we know we've seen IDF soldiers, IOF soldiers uh, uh, destroying wells, destroying pipelines, filling them with cement. Uh, you know, th there's footage of this. You can find it online. This isn't some, like, I, I really have to stress, this isn't some conspiracy nonsense. This is happening. You can find it. You can find images. You can find videos. I found, like, really interesting um, with, like, the ability to kind of, like, find information is... Um, if anyone here is familiar with Snapchat's Snap Map feature, yeah. you can go to yeah. a map and you can see, you can just go to an area and you can see the people's like public stories. You click on them. If you go to like, you know, if you go to Gaza, if you go to the West Bank, you can see things happening in Gaza. You can see like people living in the ruins and like, you know, like people like showing exactly how it is. And then if you go, if you go over to like Tel Aviv and, you know, stuff like that, you look at the snapshots here, it's like people just like chilling, you know, like hanging out, like, you know, people like basically living like they're on holiday doing like designer shopping and shit. Yeah. They are not under duress. They, they are living the life. Someone posting and they'll have a caption on their video or whatever like that. And they'll be like, you know, so terrified besties, you know, like all this kind of shit like that. It's like, it's deranged, but it's like this way that you can just like directly, you can just see it, you know, like you yeah. can just go you to can the map and you can have a look there. And mm. it's like, yeah, like literally like live. It's yeah, mm. it's pretty, pretty intense. You were going to say yeah. something, Kara? Yeah. I want to just add to uh, your discussion about the water uh, being quote unquote, turn back on, because it's also important to note. I, I appreciate you tying it in because this is, again, response. This is Israel being Israel and then noting that, oh, no, our propaganda or sorry, our actions are not matching with the, the narrative we're trying to tell everyone about ourselves so we can keep doing the thing mm -hmm. we're doing. Um, so they quickly have to try to change the narrative to fit what they want to fit, but they're not actually changing themselves. So when they, quote unquote, turn the water back on, there was no electricity to yeah. get the water where it needs to go. Or to like also, desalinate it and stuff like that. Right. Know? There was also no pipes. The pipes are bombed. Like <laughs> That's a good point, Tim. Yeah, because they got a lot of their water from the sea. Yeah. There's a lot of reasons why like we were discussing earlier or just just earlier about how like IDF were pouring cement inside Palestinian wells. Like there there's a multitude of reasons why that was a, that's a that's it's a lie. The, I, the Israel is not all of a sudden like bleeding hard. Like, oh, I can't believe us turning off the water harm people and they can't drink water. <laughs> we should turn that back on. They're they're doing that so their audience can think that they're good guys. That's purely exactly. Yeah. That's all that's happening. Um, unfortunately, Palestinians are not receiving water. They're dying of dehydration now, and already or already dead. Um, reports even that they have to drink like sewage filled water. Because they were forced to, or they're having to drink out of IV bags. Um, yeah, that's that's um, the reality. What's going on now? Um, and then on top of all of this, um, settlers who have been armed with guns from 
the US, from the UK, uh, any, anywhere that manufactures weapons or anything like that, um, you know, armed by the IDF, armed by the government, uh, have been, you know, told, okay, it's open season on Palestinians. This is what, this is what this has been. And they are now attacking people in the West Bank. Now, remember before when we mentioned that actually Hamas has no governance in the West Bank? Yeah. Israeli settlers are killing, committing pogroms in the West Bank. So now when you hear the line that, oh, we have to fight Hamas, we have to condemn Hamas, we have to, you know, uh, uh, go into Gaza, we have to level Gaza. That's the only way uh, to get to get rid of uh, Hamas. Yeah. Well, you know, Hamas aren't in the West Bank. Yeah. So what are the Israeli settlers doing, committing pogroms in the West Bank? Uh, you know, someone we had on the show, Bambi Kubo, was assaulted doing something called protective presence in a settlement in in the West Bank, I believe, um, and uh, was was basically attacked when a, a settler pogrom hit the village that they were in, and they killed a bunch of Palestinians and attacked Bambi Kubo. Yeah, um, is um the way that the West Bank is set up as well as like so Gaza is like one continuous like chunk, whereas the West yeah. Bank is it's like a loosely defined area that is like. <clears throat> It goes in and out of like Israeli and Palestinian control. You know, like there'll be a section here that'll be like, okay, this is Palestinian land, but it's like to get to this other section that is Palestinian, you might have to go through Israeli land or whatever. And the settlers are like notorious for like, you know, fucking with people. Like there's videos online you can see where it's like people will just like harass them, like settlers will just harass them in the streets. Yeah. It's like, well, cool. Now you want to give these people guns, you know? Like, yeah, there, cool. yes, that there are. Um images and you can find this online again you can find all of this online um we'll give you some good sources to look at if you want to educate yourself further at the end of the show i'm sure that everybody's got a lot of sources uh for people to look at but you can find uh video footage of israeli settlers throwing garbage uh on palestinian homes from their tower blocks and palestinians have to put nets above their home because they're just putting fucking garbage just throwing out their garbage they don't have to put it in the trash they just throw it on the palestinians they just throw it uh, uh on 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 you know the the apartheid uh, uh segregated you know ethnic uh, uh minority that is not the the favored one in in in, in you know their their local area it's just absolutely fucking disgusting so uh moving on a little bit with uh, more of this stuff so we have settlers in the idf not just settlers the idf attacking and killing palestinians uh you know women and children not even not even we're not talking fighters we're not even talking uh you know men who are, are taking up arms and resisting and stuff like that we're talking women and children uh not to say obviously it, it's the view of uh, red planet the women are obviously very capable of defending themselves as well um but of course, you know, just if you want to like, you know, if someone's talking to you and says that like, oh, they're a terrorist and doing stuff like that, you know, they're killing men, women yeah. and children, everyone indiscriminately. Yeah. Also, um, it's like the definition of terrorist at the moment just includes everyone that's like in Gaza. It's like, yeah. you know, like they've just, you know, they're like, okay, cool. Everyone in this area is designated you know, like a, a terrorist, you know, they could just say that. And then it's like, yeah, they go, they go on the news and say, oh, you know, don't worry. We only killed terrorists. And it's like, well, you just told us that everyone there, you know, that, that all Palestinians are terrorists. Like, yeah. 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 Um, so. Oh, I yes. should also add that the um, Israeli military was dropping like leaflets onto yeah. uh, Gazans uh, to tell them to evacuate. And, and this is confirmed by multiple Arabic speakers. Um yeah that the message actually translates to everyone who hasn't evacuated from northern Gaza to the south will be treated as a member of a terrorist organization. 
Yeah. Um, so it's explicitly said. That's what they said as well. They're trying like, to say this was a confusion yeah. or like mm. people, this was an inaccurate something imprecise. No, this is exactly what they said. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. And again, yeah, yeah, once yeah. again, they don't care if Arab speakers are actually disputing this. They're talking to their English speaking Imperial Corps audience, specifically mm. Americans. Yeah. That's who and, they're talking uh, to when they're issuing these propaganda tweets. Yes. Yeah. And um, it should also be noted as well, I'm not sure if we've uh, mentioned too much of this. I think Tim was talking about it earlier, uh, and I think I mentioned a little bit of it. But um, also, you know, the the the, the, the line that, that people have when it comes to um, do you want to be uh, safe? Do you do you want to be able to like you know live in in Israel kind of thing and like uh, you know okay you just got to convert to Judaism right like that's what um, Israel says a lot of the time, um, but then it treats any Jew that is not white European so we're talking Moroccan Jews Ethiopian Jews uh, Arab Jews um, you know they they treat them as second class citizens and yeah. there have been multiple Palestinian. Uh, people of Palestinian descent, people who are known as Palestinians living in Israel as like sort of like refugees, uh, it, you know, as second class citizens and also Arabs from other countries and stuff like that, um, who have been fired. They've just been sacked from their jobs, yeah. right? They've just been completely let go by the, by the, uh, companies. Um, and also Israel has arrested Palestinians indiscriminately. Right, indiscriminately. Yeah. So these might be Palestinians who are living in Israel. These might be Palestinians from the West Bank. These might be Palestinians from Gaza, wherever they can get them. Um, yeah. and, and the conditions of Palestinian prisoners, um, you know, compared to, uh, you know, people, for example, like, uh, there, there are Israeli, uh, people who, uh, dodge the draft, uh, or they like, you know, uh, uh, want to support Palestinians or speak up for human rights and stuff. They have like a much, uh, uh, better prison for, for Israelis than they do for Palestinians, for they do for yeah. Arabs, anyone who's not white. Gee, what do we um, call that kind of system? That's a yeah, different, that? different rules yeah. for one racial group and yeah. different rules for another racial group. It's wild that um, yeah, they they always denounce like you know using the term apartheid. Like Israelis go, no, you know we're not apartheid. In um, in Gaza, there's uh, Mandela Square, and it's literally there's a statue of Nelson Mandela that the the principality I think of uh, Johannesburg gifted. The city of, you know, were gifted the people of Gaza because they were like, we, you know, as survivors of apartheid, understand what you guys went through. And I mean, Nelson Mandela was very clear in his, you know, support for the people of Palestine, like over and over again. And, um, you know, so they're like, as, as the, as the apartheid understanders, they were like, yes, this is, this is apartheid. We, you know, like we know what you guys are going through. So they, you know, they have this like square there that has a, a statue. It's a, a mirrored statue of, the, of one they have in Johannesburg as well. It's like, yeah, I, I think, think, it's um, like, if you're going to listen to anyone, it's like, okay, these guys, these guys maybe know what apartheid is. Yeah, um, it should also be noticed that, that noted that um, Cyril uh, Ramaphosa, I think yeah. uh, the, the head of the president of the African National Congress in South Africa, um, was on TV uh, in like the first week doing a press release wearing a kafia. Uh, mm -hmm. If you don't know what a kafia is, uh, our wonderful Kira is modeling one right now. It's a symbol of resistance. It's a, 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 a scarf that is traditionally uh, made in Palestine. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a symbol of resistance everywhere, yeah. basically. He was wearing one. Yeah, yeah. 
and it's he kind was of like iconic saying, from yeah the early like like the PLO and everything yes. like that. It's like Yasser Arafat associated. wore one around his head. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and Cyril Ramaphosa was on TV wearing one alongside a Palestinian flag, and he said, "We've always recognised uh, uh, the Palestinian struggle for what it is. It's apartheid." Um, and of course, you know, the ANC was the movement. They were basically the, the South African PLO, essentially, I think. Yeah. I might be getting, uh, it's not, not exactly the same. Of course, nothing is, but, it, you know, for uh, argument's sake, they're basically the, the South African uh, PLO. Yeah. Um, so anyway, m- m- more on the uh, current situation. Um, yeah, so uh, we, we do want to take a bit of time to talk about the Israeli propaganda machine regarding this stuff. Uh, we've spoken a bit about the, the horrors committed by Israel over the last couple of weeks. Um, and it should be noted that they are preparing for a ground invasion. Uh, a ground invasion which, uh, you know, a lot of Israeli settlers who are reactionary, uh, they've been radicalized, uh, and also the line of the Hasbara, they want it to be the second Nakba. That's the term that they're using. So we've told you what the Nakba is, and now you know they want the second one. Um, so you can only imagine what kind of atrocities are going to be committed if there is this ground invasion of Gaza. Yeah. So let's talk about the Israeli propaganda machine. Do you want to do this, Kira? I just want to at least introduce the topic. Um, yeah. So the reason why it's it's really important to to dedicate, in my opinion, a segment to the Israeli propaganda machine is because it, to me, is kind of the same as like the dollars that are going into Israel. So the way that we can maintain a steady flow of funds from America to Israel um, to keep Israel afloat and keep it a thing so all the horrible atrocities can continue, so all the genocide can continue, is because Israel's able to uh, play that propaganda game so well to convince people that this is the right thing to do. And so I think it's really important to examine that because that is such an integral part of keeping Israel afloat. Um so it's not just like vibes and like, oh my God, how, how, how horrible that, that people lie. It's to me like extraordinarily important that we unravel the mess that is the Israeli propaganda machine and to really like expose it for what it is. Um, so let me pull that up. Yeah. So there is this, uh, there's, there's multiple ways you can look at this, but, um, Adam Johannes, a uh, secretary of Cardiff Stop the War Coalition. Anyone, people from Cardiff watching right now or listening right now, um, explain this very, very succinctly. Like there's multiple ways you can discuss the Israeli playbook. And I know if you want to watch the documentary that I was recommending, um, called The Occupation of the American Mind, it discusses the propaganda very, very well. And it's, and like we were talking about before, um, the emphasis is to constantly redirect any sort of criticism from the from occupation from apartheid from um expelling uh indigenous people from their from their lands and seizing their lands um try to divert any of that conversation away from that and to redivert it to terror 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 um hence the question do you condemn hamas So um, I'll just read it to you. There's uh, th- this is this is a, a widely circulated uh, clip. So Israel style of public relations. Uh, one, we haven't heard reports of deaths. We'll check into it. Two, the people were killed, but by a faulty Palestinian rocket slash bomb. And now th- if you're familiar <laughs> with our conversation about the hospital, one of the many, by the way, hospitals, not the only one. It's just the one that's getting attention uh, that Israel has 
uh, that bomb that got really, really bad press for them, were on number two for this. Now they're blaming faulty Palestinian rocket for bombing their own hospital. Um, so it's two. The people were killed, but by a faulty Palestinian rocket slash bomb. Three. Okay, we killed them, but they were terrorists. Four. Okay, they were civilians, but they were being used as human shields. Five. Okay, there were no fighters in the area, so it was our mistake, but we kill civilians by accident and they do it on purpose. Six. Okay, we kill far more civilians than they do, but look at how terrible other countries are. And seven, why you're still talking about Israel, you some kind of anti-Semite. Yeah. So the, yeah, the redirect away from um settler, uh, settler colonialism and apartheid and redirecting it towards terrorism and then also the fallback, you're anti-Semitic, um is a very, very, very like robust like that that's 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 Israeli propaganda to me in a nutshell. Um yeah. I agree. I yeah. wholeheartedly agree. I think, I think that's spot on. And I think, um, I think it's even changed. We've seen like a, an evolution of that because I think that, um, that one article is from like a, a while ago or something. Like, uh, probably, yeah. I think yeah, I've I seen th it around a lot. I think it's, I think it's from 2009 when, um, there were, there were, there were, there were more conversations being had about like what was being done in Gaza and stuff like that on, on the, uh, on the news in the UK for sure. But anyway, um, yeah, the so, long and short of it. Sorry, go on, Kira. No, no, no. No, you can go on. Because I wanted to also move on to um, the way that this, how the way that a lot of this propaganda is not just stated, but also actioned upon, like yeah. the way the propaganda machine actions um, and how it affects other people, like yeah. specifically, like the, uh, the, the threats and the bribes and the firings and the hirings and the jailings etc etc yeah 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 no it, it, yeah it, that's basically it and uh you know as soon as there is any um you know disagreement that what israel is doing is right and good uh people in the imperial corps are punished um i particularly want to draw attention to jeremy corbyn's electoral campaign in 2018 2019 here in the uk he was constantly labeled an anti-Semite and he was constantly asked to apologize for being uh, the head of a party that has, has got anti-Semitic um, past. And this was referring to, in particular, some comments from Ken Livingston and from George Galloway. Now, George Galloway is a reactionary piece of shit transfer, but we don't like him anyway. Uh, but to be fair, a lot of the things that he said about uh, Israel were true. That doesn't mean he's good. It doesn't mean he's correct. It doesn't mean he's right. But the things he said about Israel were completely true. Uh, he did exhibit... A actual anti-Semitic behaviors like refusing to speak to Jewish people, not Zionists, Jewish people. So that is like legitimate anti-Semitism. Now, in terms of Ken Livingston, uh, I don't know the full facts about that. So I'm not going to say he was not an anti-Semite or anything like that. But again, um, said very uncomfortable truths about Israel. And these are we're talking in 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 respect to in in full context of historical the labor party in in the uk these were things that happened when tony blair was in power these are things that happened when gordon brown was in power uh, completely unrelated to, to jeremy corbyn's leadership in the party jeremy corbyn who's been a lifelong anti-racist been on the right side of history uh, uh, uh every single point um and he was constantly asked to uh, denounce his anti-Semitism because 
They knew that as soon as Jeremy Corbyn would get in the UK government, he would recognize a Palestinian state. He would end all arms trades to Israel. It was part of his policy. It was part of his party's policies that were voted for by the members because everybody understands uh, uh, the plight of the Palestinians in terms of like the left wing who supported Jeremy Corbyn in Labour at that time. So that is the kind of thing that happens. And of course, um, it had massive effects. Everybody in the media was saying that he's a racist. He's an anti-Semite, like all this kind of stuff. Um, it's, it's, it's just so incredibly vile. And, uh, you know, so the, the, the people who were victims of Israelis, uh, sorry, of, of the Israeli propaganda machine, the Hasbara, um, are not just Palestinians, well, people in the wider world as well. We would have had a good fucking prime minister if it wasn't for that shit. You know, there were also like, you know, other things regarding Jeremy Corbyn's electoral campaign. Uh, for example, the, uh, the, the, the Brexit policy and stuff like that. But anyway, I digress. The <laughs> point is, is that if you support Palestinians, you get punished. Um, and that is true. Like Kira said, all over, um, in the US at the minute, there is a website where you can dox people who have supported expressed support for palestinian people and get them fired from their jobs um there is also um just a a a wide debate circuit that is going on in the mainstream media um of getting people who agree with 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 palestine uh, uh liberation and getting them on tv and doing the same thing that they did to jeremy corbyn asking him to condemn hamas do you condemn hamas do you condemn hamas do you condemn hamas not letting them get a word in edgeways about the plight of the palestinian people the history of the nakba the history of the occupation and all the things that they're going through um so it is incredibly important to remember that in 2009 um the then i think uh, director of the israel foreign ministry in, in the knesset uh, a, a fellow by the name of ilan sturman i might be incorrect about that uh but he basically did rep- uh, an interview for the hebrew magazine the calculus which is a popular business uh, uh um publication in israel they've actually done recent articles about this as recent as, as 2021 describing what is known as the hasbara we've used that term uh, a, a few times in in the um in the show so far but i'll explain to you what the hasbara is the hasbara was a uh, idea that they came up with when social media started to become a thing when when uh, uh, overwhelming support for the plight of the palestinian people was noticed on uh, uh on social media sites like facebook uh all, all like twitter even in its like very early infancy like when twitter was like you know just popping off um and the israeli state foreign ministry said we have to do something about this uh popular opinion is moving away uh from israel and people are starting to understand what we're doing to people in gaza what we're doing to people in the west bank so hundred and fifty thousand dollars was appropriated to the beginning of the Hasbara. Now, if you think about $150,000 back in 2009, that's probably a living wage for about four or five people. And what they were planning to do was they were planning to hire people who would go around and just defend Israel online. So if you've ever posted anything, if you've ever posted anything that is pro-Palestinian, anti-Israel, and all these people that you've never seen before, you've never interacted with them before, are all of a sudden slavering like dogs underneath your post calling you an anti-semite telling you that you're a lie calling you a terrorist and saying that you support hamas beheading of babies raping of women all this kind of stuff they're all paid for <laughs> they're all paid for uh, you know when you talk about you know when people were talking about russian bots like this is the thing the the fucking um you know uh, 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 liberals love to talk about russian bots when it comes to do with anything to do with uh, donald trump 
But if you say that Israel are using the same strategy, oh, you better believe that they don't want to hear about that. Because of course they do. Um, there are reports in that very same uh, uh, Hebrew magazine, I painstakingly translated an article with, with Google Translate a, a couple of nights ago um, when, uh, you know, I was I was doing some research into this. Basically, the, the same uh, publication, The Calculist, in 2021 was talking about how to turn around the popular opinion uh, of supporting Palestinians. And they use the word, and I'm not sure about the translation of this because it is, again, uh, Google Translate, and I don't speak Hebrew, um, but they the way that they word it is when when someone is racist to Israel. Yeah. Now I don't know about again about the translation of that. I don't know if that's a mistranslation in Hebrew of like saying someone is racist to Jews, because you know, I again I, I don't know about Hebrew. But if that is a, an accurate translation, then it's very telling, isn't it? Because yeah. being racist to Israel, the occupational force, the state. Yeah. It's not exactly racism, is it? It's I mean, yeah. I guess you could argue well, that like you know yeah. I mean this is the thing where it's like it's it's convenient for them to merge israel and jews together sometimes and there's sometimes it's convenient for them to be separate but there's a lot of times where it's like they just want to flatten the concept of israel to judaism you know which it absolutely is not oh by the way i have a i have a comic exactly for what you're saying uh posted by eli valley um it's exact it says it, it illustrates exactly what you mean by this um let me pull it up real fast so this is the comic. Um, you can start anywhere here. I believe his um, name is pronounced oh, Ellie Valley, by the way. Ellie. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's all right, <laughs> I yeah. never. I'm too online. I'm always reading things in my own <laughs> brain. I never hear. Thank no, you. No, I used to think. I used to think the same as well until this week, actually. Thank you. Yeah. So the comic says, um, "Did you hear there's a rise of anti-Semitism abroad?" And then it goes, "What on earth can explain that?" And it says, "Anti-Semites are conflating Jews with Israel. It's a sickening proof. There's only one place." in the world jews can be safe and then next every jew in the world must defend this and then judaism is zionism and zionism is judaism and then you can go around again and again and again um it's just like an infinite loop yeah the the visual is also by the way it's a a, a, what is clearly supposed to be a a palestinian woman uh having a, a bunch of guns Point, pointed in her face and uh, being wrestled. She's into... being, yeah, she's being carried and she's clearly suffering. I think yeah. she's trying. I think it's supposed to be depicting uh, the evicting her from her house, which is a common. Yeah, thing it's like all these guards, all the speech bubbles are all kind of coming from them, and in this like looping circle around the, the Palestinian woman. In the yeah. mm-hmm. I do want to. I do want to give a real life anecdote um, to support this. Um, my step family. Are all Jewish, and unfortunately, the majority of them are Zionists. Um, my stepbrother had a wedding in uh, 2021, and um, it was a fairly religious wedding. It was uh, not Orthodox. They're not. They're not Orthodox, or as um, uh, Jews in the in the UK at least call them, frommers or anything like that. It was just a sort of like highly religious, but not exactly Orthodox wedding. Uh, so, like the men and the women were on different sides of the room and stuff like that. And the rabbi was from Israel. And at that time in 2021, there were actually protests, um, pro-Palestinian protests. Um, there was a certain thing that happened. I can't exactly remember what it is. I'm sure listeners and, and viewers of the show will will know what I'm talking about. Um, this rabbi used my stepbrother's wedding as an opportunity to reinforce his Zionist message. And he said this, and and I swear to God, I remember this verbatim because I remember it sickening me. 
that he would use this family event, this wedding, to 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 spread the insidious Zionist line. He said, "Current events have proved once again that Jewish people are not safe outside yeah. of Israel." And if you can imagine, if you can imagine an, an imam that's officiating a Muslim wedding saying something to that effect, if you can imagine a Christian officiating, a, a, you know, a priest a, a officiating a Christian wedding saying something to that effect, people would be like, what is happening? Yeah. What is happening? This is absurd. And this is a thing that Israel does. It exports rabbis all over the world to spread the Zionist message, to infiltrate people's daily lives. And, and again, I must stress this, to remind Jewish people in the diaspora that they are nothing without Israel. It is, it's extremely anti-Semitic to claim mm. that Jewish people have no culture. Jewish people have so much culture. Like again, yeah. like my, you know, my step family, they're all Jewish. Like every single like aspect of their life, it's beautiful and interesting and intricate and, 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 you know, there, to claim that there is no culture outside of Israel is not only anti-Semitic and false, it's absurd. It makes no sense. It, you have not spoken to a Jewish person in the diaspora if you think that. Not even Jewish people in, in just like Manchester, for example. In London, they have like, you know, various different bits of culture. In, in different countries, they have culture. You know, it's just such a lie. Uh, uh, and it is so uh, uh, insidious. And, and again, I'm sorry that, you know, obviously this is emotionally getting to me because this is just, I can't speak to, to them about this. I can't mention this. I've blocked my older stepbrother because he consistently tells me that if I uh, uh, show support for Palestinian people, um, I might as well forget being queer, you know, because, oh, they'll kill me. They'll kill me. You know, yeah. and, and I, I, I can't stand it. I just can't fucking stand it. But anyway, I digress here. Um, this is how, this is how deep the, the, the propaganda goes. Um, and, and, you know, Again, people will tell you you can you can listen to Maya Edery's uh, journey of of birthright. She talks about how when she went on birthright, she's she's an anti-Zionist uh, Jewish activist. I think she she's in uh, Jewish Voice for Peace uh, in the, in the states. But basically, she uh, went to do her birthright thing. Every Jewish person has the opportunity to do this. You go to Israel. They basically take you to this place called the Yad Vashem, which is the Holocaust Memorial. Uh, uh, this, this is just one aspect of it. They do like days and days and days and days and days. You can see so many, uh, uh, uh stories from Jewish people and like the things that they say to you, the things that they make you think like that, you know, they're constantly like, uh, getting organizations that are like violent settler, reactionary fascists. And they're, and they're like telling you like, you know, all the horrible things that the Palestinians do, or oh, they've done all these horrible things. Um, and and they emotionally manipulate you. You know, the very they end take of the you world. with like armed guards down into the settlements where like yes. Palestinian people are like you know like they have been dispossessed or whatever. And you like you see like these videos of them, and they just like walk down through, and you see like they'll go through occupied territory, and there'll be like guards going and like telling all the Palestinian people to go back in their homes, and they'll like clear out a big space, and then they'll just be like oh, this will be, you know, like our land again soon. You know, it's just like, yeah. it's deranged. It's, it's so awful. Deranged. It's awful. And, and, and it amounts genuinely. If you ask any kind of psychi psychiatrist uh, uh, about this kind of behavior, like emotional manipulation, like showing everybody the victims of the Holocaust, like all the horrors, the dead children, the piles of shoes and glasses and clothes and all this stuff, you know, every single thing, like the, the horrific atrocities of the Holocaust in Nazi Germany. Everybody's crying. 
and then they take you out to this to this fucking view over Jerusalem and they say this is why you have to fight and defend your country it is insidious it's disgusting it's manipulative any psychiatrist will tell you that that is a like a emotional manipulation uh, uh, an abusive act um so anyway uh this this is the the, the depth of the of the propaganda um and then of course we have things like um what Kira was mentioning before in terms of um smearing any gazan infrastructure as being hamas run um twisting words to blame palestinians for their own deaths you know again like that article that i referenced where you know they were saying like uh you know palestinians gazans refuse to condemn hamas oh well what can you expect is going to happen to them you know yeah let me show you another headline for this one everyone i want you to try to Think of the first feeling you get when you read this or hear this. Okay. Israel vows heavier bombing of Gaza as Hamas says 55 killed overnight. Yeah. What is this? Does this sound like Israel's the one doing all the killing or does it sound like Hamas killed 55 people? Right. What yeah. this is, what they mean to say, by the way, is Israel is vowing to kill more people in, in Gaza as at the same time Hamas is reporting that 55 Palestinians were killed overnight yeah so it's just this constant bullshit it's just so disgusting yeah yeah um and of course you know the things um that have come out about what hamas did during the attacks um like i I want everybody to think about this if if you know that if you know that this has been debunked already i want you to just sit down for a second and listen to this they decapitated 40 babies, right? Just think about that sentence in your head, right? If you believe that, you also believe that Freezer is blowing up planets in the Namek, uh, you know, from Dragon Ball Z. You also believe that, uh, you know, any other uh, cartoon villain is doing the same things. You know, it, it's nonsense. It's not who is beheading babies. When has that ever happened? When has that ever happened? It's never happened. Like, may- okay, maybe it's happened. Maybe it's happened. Like, but again, it's it's literally they are trying to make out. Uh, not just Hamas, like by conflating Hamas and all Palestinians, they're trying to to, to make out that Palestinians are, are, are inhuman animals Barbar- and barbaric. They're barbarian. They're barbarians. They're they're, they're savage. That you know all the same things that are like you know lies about every single indigenous person everywhere. Right? Mm. All this same stuff. It's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. Uh, Claims that they are, uh, you know, capturing women and raping them. There is no evidence for that. There is absolutely zero evidence for that. Carving fetuses out of pregnant women. What are you talking about? Yeah, that is that the thing about the fetus. That's happened to a Palestinian woman. Yeah, so the Israelis did that to a Palestinian woman. Sabra and Chantilla massacre. Yeah, and then... The, the Israeli propagandist mentions it mentions it now as like it actually yeah, like Hamas that, yeah. did it to an Israeli when there's actually no evidence of it. So it's just nonstop well, progress, projection from these motherfuckers. Well, this is why I wanted to mention the Deir Yassin massacre, not just because it is a extremely important, um, you know, event that 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 basically kicked off the Nakba. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but basically. Zionist militias were going around and telling Palestinians, if you don't comply, if you don't flee and become refugees in your own country, we're going to do Deir Yassin massacres to everybody. Yeah. That's what they were yeah. saying. Um, and again, 
you know, as I mentioned, they were boasting about raping women. They were boasting mm. about killing children. You know, like yeah. like uh, there, there is a popular thing that that, that uh, uh, per- perforates. I, I think is the word um, uh, Israeli settler telegram groups and social media and stuff. And it's a picture of a Palestinian child oh, with a crosshair yeah, in yeah. front of it, and it says, "Kill a terrorist before it becomes one." Yeah, there's um, um, yeah. quotes from IDF. Um, like uh, like the guards along the walls as well that say they're like it's better to if you kill a child in a really gruesome way it means that um the like then you they're like if you do this then you don't actually have to shoot anyone for a couple of days then you get yep. like a couple of days off because they you know like they they it hurts coming, morale you know like it hurts yeah, morale. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah which is like deranged it's disgusting um, and if we're gonna and if we're gonna mention morale um the reason that another reason i brought up the day you seen massacre is that the the one of the veterans who is 95 years old right has basically rejoined the idf volunteered and rejoined the yeah. idf to give the soldiers morale this man who participated in the vile ethnic cleansing the vile pogrom against Dare Yassin is now back in the army saying yeah yeah you got to do the same shit basically you know yeah. um anyway let's move on because there's a lot of stuff that we still got to get through and we're still and we're over time um so there are all these substantiated claims of Hamas and they they are projection like that it, we have to make that clear that's why I was talking about the Dare Yassin massacre and, and and the carving fetuses out of pregnant women they are projection these are things that israelis the zionists have done to palestinians historically and now as well um there is an overt smear campaign of those humanizing palestinians and or criticizing israel's war crimes uh so rashida tlaib one of the um what do they call it the 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 squad um uh, basically has oh. been barred Tlaib, is, is that how you say it? Sorry, yeah. So Rashida yeah. Tlaib uh, has been barred from Israel briefings. This is an elected official. This is an elected official in the quote-unquote democracy of the United States of America has been barred from Israel briefings because she quote-unquote sided with Hamas. No, she voiced her support for the Palestinian people. Yeah, yeah. Palestinian victims are being smeared for not condemning Hamas. Again, we mentioned that. All, all, again, um, there was a CEO of a tech conference who was forced to resign because it's, uh, he suggested that Israel committed a war crime. Greta Thunberg posts a support of Palestine and was then called anti-Semitic. Do you want to know? Does anybody know? We, well, the, the co-hosts know. The reason that she was called anti-Semitic is because she had a squishmallow right in the picture now if people don't know what a squishmallow is it's basically a the, one of the fucking cutest little toys i've ever seen in my entire life and tim you said as well um that like autistic people will use a squishmallow to indicate like how they're feeling because they have difficulty like yeah it's um these these particular ones are ones that you can like flip over to show like if it's a happy face or a sad face or whatever and these ones are particularly sold to be like if you you know like if you have um like issues with communicating your feelings and stuff, you can just put the face on and then you can tell people you're happy or you're angry or whatever. So in this picture, she had it flipped to the angry side to show that she wasn't fucking around, you know? Literally. And Literally. it's like, it's a super common toy. Like I actually, we were at the shops the other day and there's like a row of them. And I was like, ooh, anti-Semitism. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the way that this has been spun 
is yeah. that it is an octopus like the octopus uh, that is depicted in anti-Semitic propaganda from the Nazis showing that Jews control the world. So you, you, you'll imagine in your mind like now an image of like an octopus, uh, uh, you know, reaching into every country of the world, uh, various orifices and stuff like that to control it, etc. Uh, but here's the thing. Around the same time, that was a very popular thing, right? Now, I don't know the origins of it. I don't know if the origins of it come from anti-Semitism. But what I do know is that the same octopus has been used to show uh, not just communism, but also U.S. imperialism. So this is an octopus uh, uh, that is being used to to to, to signify uh, a young autistic person's uh, uh, you know um, emotions, right? Because she has a trouble actually, you know, showing emotions like uh, expressing them, and uh, and it's being you know this is a reach. It's a fucking reach. They've put their back out with this fucking reach. Um, and, uh, you know, and another thing that I think I want to point out is um, th- there's a lot of recuperation that goes on with Israel messaging uh, and Hasbara messaging. Um, so one of the things that Israel loves to say is that the IDF uses, um, uh, 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 you know, animal friendly, vegan pleather boots. Uh, you know, we don't use animal products in our ethnic cleansing. Uh, you know, uh, oh, did you know that Hamas uses unsustainable rockets? This is actually, by the yeah. way, a thing that the, that the state of Israel, uh, account. I saw the tweet. They put it out. Yeah. yeah they yeah. put the tweet out underneath Greta Thunberg's support of Palestinians saying, uh, oh, did you know that uh, Hamas rockets, they're really bad for the environment? Did you know that? Yeah. Um, listen, uh, you know, the amount of fucking weapons and arms that Israel uses in its ethnic cleansing and occupation of Palestine uh, dwarfs any kind of potential carbon footprint that Hamas rockets mm. would have. We're talking about the backing of the entire military industrial complex that's responsible for like fucking 40% of emissions. You know, this is the reality. This is the reality. Not um, to mention that uh, Hamas actually uses a lot of repurposed stuff for their for their weapons. Right. So like yeah. they'll use like scraps from Israeli rockets to create Israel or to create rockets. They will also use like water pipes and things like that, like spare stuff. Not to say that they are no carbon footprint, but if we're going to compare, it's no it's no question. Yeah. <laughs> it's no question yeah. here. So. Uh, we got we got we got to wrap this up because uh, we've been we've been so over time. But obviously, I'm sure you appreciate this as like a huge thing. Um, so um, some extra things um, that we are just going to mention very very briefly. Um, you know, the 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 Israeli government it's been estimated has spent seven million dollars on an ad campaign on YouTube and some of these ads themselves depicting um, you know d- dead bodies. Basically, uh, it's not like the blood. breadth of ads. They're trying to hit every demographic, right? Yes, like, yes, absolutely. That they, they, they've been targeted most popularly in um, Arab countries and Western Imperial core countries because that's where they want to manufacture the most consent. So it, it, you know they're showing all these dead bodies. Now the, you know you can't show dead bodies on YouTube. <laughs> that's yeah. against the terms of service. It's most certainly against the ad policy. And so a lot of these ads have been taken down. But you know we don't know what the actual number is um but people who use uh this one particular there's an app that you can use um that shows um i think uh, 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 analysis of various different um uh you know people who, who've spent money on ad uh ads on google and you can find out just 
roughly how much they've spent. And this one particular app, I can't remember uh, uh, the name of it, uh, has actually been used to estimate. It's around $7 million, you know, and, and let's face it, $7 million is a, a lot of money. Um, so if it's, if it's anything around that, uh, it, it's an absurd amount. It's an absurd amount of money to be spending on that. Um, so what can you do about this? Here at Red Planet, we, you know, don't like to focus on the uh, nitty gritty, deep and dark, dim, uh, uh, grim stuff. But, you know, we kind of have to with this regard because uh, people don't, um, you know, actually know what's going on. People don't know the facts. And that's what we're here to do. We're here to report the facts. Um, it's the only ethically and morally correct thing to do. Um, and, uh, and and it's the very least that we could do. Uh, but um, we want to just call attention to some hopium. There have been worldwide protests. You won't be hearing about this in the news. Um, but there have been um, an estimated of 300,000 people marching in London. Uh, yeah. There have been uh, tens of thousands of people marching in Morocco, Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia, um, also in Pakistan, in Amman, in Jordan. Uh, every single one of these in in Glasgow in Scotland Paris yeah. and France tens Down of here, these are, yeah Santiago Chile Yemen uh, uh uh Cape Town South Africa uh you know Dublin and Ireland Istanbul Turkey like there are just thousands hundreds of millions mm. absolutely millions of people are marching against the war machine of Israel the people know the truth this is just a handful of the countries that have actually done yeah. Uh, uh, you know, protests supporting, um, um, you know, the, the struggle of the Palestinian people. If you want to really feel emotion, check out the, uh, 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 the, the march through Chicago because that was absurd. I've never seen anything like it, like hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, it, 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 it really like touches you. It touches your soul. Uh, lots of different cities all over the, the U.S. Um, and they will be ongoing. You can go to these protests. We've done various different episodes on knowing your protest rights, uh, you know, how to protect yourself during a protest, how to look after yourself. Um, please watch those videos. Uh, you know, uh, uh, just do some research into what your rights are as a protester in whatever country of origin, uh, sorry, whatever country of existence you're in right now, uh, and look after yourself and join these protests. You can do that. It's not hard to do. It's possible and it's easy. Um, if that's something you can't do, don't worry. We know that there's lots of people who can't, uh, uh, you know, attend actions like that. Don't worry about it. It's absolutely understandable and fine. We have lots of other things you can do. Um, you can basically, uh, well, we'll talk about a little bit about that as well, but just a, a, another couple of things that we've noticed as well, like here in the UK, uh, in Sheffield, uh, a protester climbed the city hall uh, to replace the Israeli flag. Like if, if people don't know, um, councils across the UK were basically forced to uh, put the Israeli flag up um, over their city halls. And one absolutely based individual uh, climbed the city hall in Sheffield to replace the Israeli flag with a Palestinian one. Uh, it was just incredible. Um, there was also a football game, I think in, in uh, Liverpool. Uh, I'm just having a look at this uh, where uh, people... And these are like televised matches, televised matches, uh, where the fans, uh, lots of Liverpool fans, very, very anti-fascist, very, very uh, socialist left wing, held up a banner that said, for God's sake, save Gaza. Um, you'll have to excuse me, I'm getting emotional thinking about this because, you know, it's, it's, 
it's it's emotional um but there are lots of different uh, i'm not sure what this other one is this uh, building in chile i'm just having a look at this now um uh, in santiago chile they projected a thing saying solidarity solidaridad palestina solidarity with palestine they projected that onto one of the biggest buildings in chile in Santiago, um, and also here in the UK, someone projected a Palestinian flag onto Big Ben, the massive building in Westminster in Parliament, where housed in there, uh, you know, elected officials in the UK were supporting Israel's war crimes and genocide in Gaza, um, you know, uh, on a daily basis. Uh, so hope to be had from these actions all around the world. Now, what else can you do? Uh, there is a handy resource that I'm going to put in the Twitch chat, and I'm going to spell it out for the people listening. Um, it's HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash decolonizepalestine.com. So it's just decolonizepalestine.com. It will be in the notes uh, on the uh, uh, upload when you get this on the VOD channel. Uh, um, and I think um, also on the Patreon. There is a documentary explaining the Israeli propaganda machine, the occupation of the American mind, which Kira mentioned before. Uh, you can find that on Vimeo. Um, Palestine Action, our comrades. Uh, I imagine this is true in the U.S. as well, but also uh, in the um, uh, uh, um, in the U.K. They have bail funds, they have legal fees that they need to pay. To pay, sorry, uh, actionists are always getting arrested uh, for basically standing up against genocide. Uh, yeah, someone in the chat has also just said, "Don't forget BDS.org." If you want a list of uh, 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 you know corporations that actively take part in funding Israel, the ethnic cleansing uh, of Palestinians, uh, check that out. At the moment, there are calls to, to focus on Starbucks and McDonald's. McDonald's sent a bunch of food uh, to Israeli uh, settlers and IDF soldiers, um, and Starbucks um, basically in more union busting activity, uh, said that the, uh, the workers who basically, um, uh, uh, who have unionized, they showed support for Palestine. Um, the, the Palestine, uh, sorry, the, the Starbucks bosses have basically said, no, we stand with Israel, etc." So people are also boycotting, uh, Starbucks in accordance with, uh, what the union have said as well. So if you want to concentrate your boycott on those things, that's uh, that's uh, your choice to make, but there are lots of different uh, uh, companies to boycott and maybe just make that a normal part of your life. Um, amplify Palestinian voices. Um, listen, uh, I'm going to be real. As someone who doesn't cry often, uh, I, I almost cried today on the show uh, twice, and uh, I've cried. Sorry. I've cried uh, three times. Make that three times. I've cried multiple times this week. Uh, at what's going on um it might hurt it might make you sick it might be one of the hardest things that you've ever done but listen to what's happening pay attention to what's happening i cannot stress this enough what you will go through is nothing and i'm not being cruel it's nothing compared to what is going on in gaza it's nothing compared to what's going on in the west bank you must see this and you must use your voice to amplify Palestinian voices. Amplify our anti-Zionist Jewish friends. Amplify their voices. Jewish Voice for Peace. There are so many organizations that you can find that are supporting what's going on in Palestine. I'm sorry. But what you witness will be nothing compared to what they're going through. 
You must look at this. You can't turn away. Not now. Not now. Not while this is going on. That's all I could do right now. Sorry. That's cool. Um, yeah, like what Mule has just done a great job of um, of explaining is that there's, and like we were talking about earlier, it's like, it seems like with all of the, the blockades and everything like that, it seems like there are, like there are so few ways for us to directly kind of get involved and affect things. But, um, but these things are all like, you know, really good ways that you as an outsider can get involved. Um, we, you know, we've seen, we've seen the impact that our friends, um, Palestine action have had on Albert systems just by taking small, small groups of protesters to shut down their factories. And I think people are more aware of, the situation now than they have ever been at any point in the past. So I think in the past where it was like, you know, hard to get together like a dozen or so people to like, you know, stage like a, like a lockout at like a factory or something like at Albert or something like that. Now it's going to be, you know, like, I think you can really like, we can mobilize this kind of energy and this awareness, um, especially on that level where it's like, yeah, like um, Palestine Action really, they just, they found these places, they just looked them up and they just went there and they just, you know, and they just kind of let people know what was happening there. And it's, um, you know, if you if you look up in your area, in your city, there's probably somewhere local to you, a group local to you that um, that might be able to help organize something like this, you know, or you might be able to, they might already be planning something like that. Um, because the thing is, like, that's the there is so so many businesses around the world that help and enable you know like the israeli zionist project like even down in new zealand we've got um rocket lab that are sending up satellites you know israeli surveillance satellites and things like that like it, it doesn't matter how far away you are like it's such like a you know it's so tied into the the military industrial kind of complex and the greater kind of, um, you know, like the greater, I guess, American kind of like, I don't know, like the, just the, the, the ideological project, you know, that um, there's wherever you are in the world, there's something you can find to do. And there's something, and it's like, I think we owe it to them, you know, like as part of the international community, we owe it to, um, the yeah, the people of the occupied uh, people of Palestine to do whatever we can, even like even though it doesn't seem like it's much sometimes, just compared to what they're going through and what they have to put through, put up with. I think um, you know, there's there's we have to do like whatever we can, you know. Um, if you're if you're silent, you are compliant. You must at least, at the very least. Even if you don't have a public presence, even if you don't have a big social media account, tell people around you, you stand with Palestine. If, you, if you've ever had any thought in your head about what I would do if I was there in World War II and I heard what they were saying about Jews, now's the time. If there was, if there was, if there was ever a time when you heard about what happened to Native Americans, indigenous people all around the world, where it's too late now, it's too late. Now's the time. 
I implore your soul if you are saying nothing about this, if you're trying to police how people are talking about this, you are compliant, you are enabling a genocide, it's happening in front of our eyes, you must do anything you can, you must do anything you can. So, um, let's, 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 I just guess just end it there. Um, <laughs> This week, we'll um, take a look at things that people can donate to um, to support the Palestinian resistance instead of our Patreon, I think. Um, That's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, in general, you know, there's always also um, the BDS movement as well that you can um, look at as like a huge, um, they have a list of um like it's like the official kind of palestinian boycott list so you can have a look on that bds and you can see there's like um you know like all the different brands and companies and all kinds of things and this is everything from like like soda stream through to like um i don't know if anyone has seen the online therapy place better help that they sponsor heaps of streamers and stuff that's an that's an israeli thing and it's like i've seen um one of my Twitter mutuals talked about her experience with them as well. And she's a Palestinian woman in Australia and um, yeah, her bizarre experience with them and then finding out that they, you know, it's an Israeli company mm -hmm. and, and specifically a Zionist company, you know? So um, yeah, you know, like there's so many of these companies and it's because they do, I guess they, um, a lot of their stuff is, because, you know, Israel is like quite small. They focus on exporting things out, like especially like tech and things like that. So, um, yeah. So you can get involved, have a look there um, and see if there's, you know, anything that you can cut out kind of like in solidarity from, from anything that you might usually use or services or whatever like that. Um, but yeah. Should, that's, we, um, should we talk about kofia.org? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I think I think um, now more than ever um, to show solidarity and also give money to Palestinians. Um, you could go to um, www.kofia.org. That's K-U-F-I-Y-A.org. Um, they're the last and only factory that manufactures kofias, which are the traditional Palestinian garb. It is a symbol of resistance um, all over the world. Um, um, there have been statements uh, from people that are wrong that say that wearing the kofia is cultural appropriation. Um, you can read a statement on the website uh, on www.kafia.org that says um, lots of our customers ask us if it's cultural appropriation to wear the kafia. Uh, they say no, uh, explicitly no. If you know what it is and if you know, uh, you know what what it represents and everything that is there, uh, we want it specifically. We would love to see white Westerners wearing the kafia as a symbol of Palestinian resistance, not for any kind of like, you know, jokes or, or anything like that. That would be the time when it would be inappropriate, of course. Uh, so please, um, yeah. And, and uh, Chloe is uh, saying in the chat, in the Twitch chat here, um, if you're in the USA, use, uh, uh, it's H-I-R-B-A-W-I-U-S-A.com. So Herbawi, sorry, Herbawi USA, uh, same company, but different distribution centers. So if you're in uh, North America, use that one as well. It's a good way to show solidarity. Um, and yeah, was, it, 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 go on. I just want to add, I have two of them, two kufias from them and they're fantastic. Um, 
And also to remind you, uh, or no, not just to tell you or remind you if you need reminding, this is the last standing Kufia factory in Palestine. The last. Yeah. So just, just to emphasize, like, if you're going to buy a, a, a Kufia, please buy from Palestinians, but especially please try to support this particular Palestinian factory. Yeah. And it's, um, it can be really difficult as well finding charities to use because, like, even just before stream, I was looking and there's so many really like the way that some of these, like, I mean, it's got to be disingenuous, you know, like you look up and it'll be like, okay, here's some charities, some trusted charities for the Israeli, Israeli Palestine war or whatever. And then you just look at it and it's like, these are all like for Israeli hospitals, you know, or like Israeli businesses, Israeli things like that. And it's, um, yeah, just really shitty. Um, there's the one that I know in particular that has been um, uh, like that people have said is definitely goes to people of Palestine is um, the um, there's, so there's a United Nations Relief and Workers Agency for Palestine, the URNWA, um, there's, which is like, you know, like the reason that that one actually gets to Palestine is because it is, you know, it's like a UN thing, which, you know, like obviously the UN, uh, you know, whatever, but um, a lot of the other, a lot of other charities, even just, um, even ones that get things directly to Palestine through like this very complicated series of like agreements and treaties and sanctions and stuff. A lot of the money just ends up going to Israel anyway, or like, they'll be like, okay, cool, you can buy supplies, but you can only buy them from Israeli, you know, like manufacturers and vendors and stuff like that. So it can be really hard just to find, you know, people that you can just like directly, you know, you like it's really hard to find things like mutual aid funds and things like that. Like they, for yeah, they generally um, are really inaccessible to like a foreign kind of audience or whatever. Um, but yeah, so... Um, that would be my pick, but, um, yeah, in general, I think it's really important just to keep talking about it, keep the word going and keep pushing back on, the, um, kind of Zionist narrative. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of it for us this week. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's been a, been a heavy one. Um, we didn't, we didn't do the full Patreon thing, but, um, but we, um, we do have some sickos to shout out. Um, there's four of them. We've got JBP, Maryland Starfire, Queen Pib, and um, Cassie Tastrophe. Um, thanks so much for supporting the show. Thank um, you. Yeah, they're our amazing sickos. Um, and yeah, uh, if you want to find more of uh, DJ Mule, where can people find you? Well, 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 uh, you can find me at linktra.ee forward slash DJMUEL. All of my links are on there. Uh, I'm on TikTok at the minute, and I would ask you to support my TikTok if you are a TikToker, uh, because my posts are just getting taken down. Uh, they're being labeled as misinformation. They're being labeled as hate speech uh, when I'm literally platforming Jewish voices uh, that are speaking about the uh, situation in Palestine. So, uh, yeah. 
that shit is going down. Um, I also have a new video out that is also doing absolutely terrible because uh, it had footage of uh, brown women in northeastern Syria shooting guns for their uh, uh, liberation. Uh, so please go check that out. It's about TikTok Live as well. Funnily enough, it's related to what I was just saying. Um, but yeah, go check that out as well. It's quite funny. Uh, it's my new video. I'm also on Blue Sky, um, and I guess I, I'm also posting on Instagram and stuff like that as well at the minute. But please support me on Patreon as well. Um, and yeah, uh, what, what, what would I do if I wanted to find out more about Kira Chats? Oh, you can find me at twitch.tv slash Kira Chats, or I'm on Blue Sky as Kira Chats, and Twitter as Kira Chats, and all of, all the things as Kira Chats. Uh, I have a link tree, linktra.ee slash kira chats um and you can find all of my links there including us not safe for work links that i can't really specify any further but yeah i'll be live tomorrow on twitch and um we want a place to hang out full of anti-zionist like-minded people as we either talk about the news or we game we're probably going to game more sometimes you need to be around each other have community even if it's not explicitly talking about the stuff it's really nice to know that the people around you, you don't really have to say anything, you know, um, then I would suggest you stop by tomorrow when I go live. It's wish.tv slash Kira chats. But Tim, where can I find you? I'm a big Tim head. So <laughs> you can, um, you can find me, uh, on Twitter as Drew Conquest and Blue Sky, also Drew Conquest, um, or here or YouTube as Conquest of Dread. Um, yeah. And uh, Sophie isn't with us this week, but Sophie from Mars, you can find her under that anywhere. Um, YouTube, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, um, Patreon as well, if you want to help her fund her YouTube videos. Um, really great ones. You can, um, yeah, jump on over to her Patreon to subscribe. Um, that's it. Free Palestine. Free Palestine. Thanks for listening to this episode of Red Planet. If you enjoyed the show, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell your comrades about it. Find more on the show, including where to watch live, at redplanetshow.com. Follow us on Twitter and TikTok at red underscore planet underscore TV. And there's even more at our Patreon, patreon.com slash red underscore planet. Our music is by Jasper Byrne. Red Planet is produced by Conrad Zimmerman in association with Mercenary Creative. See you next week.